Hello, welcome to the Book of Medora. It's me, Crystal. As always, with me is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. Here, we're going to present some deviant timelines. Deviant timelines? Crystal, what does that mean? It means these are not like, these are not replacements for the Accursed Timelines. They're sort of um, experiments in like alternate ways we could look at things. I think it's a helpful way to sort of resort our brains and it will elevate ways of thinking that will help us to accentuate the Accursed Timeline or whatever new timeline uh, flows forth after Tears of the Kingdom. Yes, exactly. I also think that in a best case scenario, each of us will present such a compelling argument for these timelines that, I mean, all timelines are works of transformative fiction. They're Uh transformative fan works. And uh, I'd like it if somebody heard some of these timelines and went, wait, that actually makes sense. Or at least that's a compelling way to look (laughs) at how the games link together. We're being absolutely uh, serious in this endeavor. Yeah. No jokes. These are not. Um, th- these are not just gimmick timelines. Maybe a bit of jokes. Yeah, but not gimmicks. We treat it as seriously as we treat the accursed timeline. Yes. So we all had our homework. 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 No. Is no, that the wrong? It, it term? is. It's. It's totally homework. And we're 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 gathering together in our discussion group. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Who would like to go first? Well, Crystal. Um. You mentioned earlier that you solved a problem on your timeline, and I still can't imagine how you would solve it, so I'd really love to hear your timeline first. Okay, well, my time I don't exactly have a timeline. Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. like, maybe half a timeline, but what I have been doing is looking at geography. The, the, the forbidden science. And more specifically, I've been looking at the geography of Hyrule. So the only games I care about for this are Zelda 1, 2, 3, 5, Four Swords, Wind Waker, Four Swords Adventures, Minish Cap, Twilight Princess, Spirit Track, Skyward Sword, A Link Between Worlds, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's the great majority of the games anyway. Yes. And uh, basically, I've just been trying to look at the maps and see where I can find commonalities. And I have a few uh, premises written down for this. Number one, there is no true geography of Hyrule, and there will always be inconsistencies in any geographical theory of Hyrule. Yes. This document only represents my best attempt to organize a somewhat coherent geographical history. I will also link the document here. Oh, please. Let's pull this up. Number two, different versions of Hyrule are all oriented with north at the top of the map, but they are not all the same size. Some versions of Hyrule are larger or smaller than others. Breath of the Wild Hyrule is the largest landmass in the series, and every other version of Hyrule can be placed somewhere on its map. No other map represents its territory with such a detail and accuracy. The other maps in the series tend to be more abstract, but Breath of the Wild has like very precise geographical and elevation data, so that's why I'm using it as the base. That makes sense. Yep. Number four, Spirit Tracks Hyrule and Adventure of Link Hyrule cover almost the entire area of Breath of the Wild Hyrule. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Spirit Tracks is huge. Yes. Five, several versions of Hyrule are portrayed as valleys surrounded by mountains such as Ocarina of Time, A Link to the Past, A Link Between Worlds, and the Wind Waker Undersea Hyrule. This Valley of Hyrule 
is placed in and around the Nekluda Valley region of Breath of the Wild Hyrule. The Great Flood turned Nekluda Valley and the surrounding areas into the Great Sea. So so Wind Waker just takes place in a flooded version of the Nekluda Valley region. Yes. That's amazing. Wow. Number six, Death Mountain refers to whatever is the largest mountain in a particular region of Hyrule, and throughout history has been used by Hylians as the name of many different mountains, some volcanic and some non-volcanic. Number seven, although the landmass of Hyrule has stayed more or less constant throughout history, the water level and physiography of regions has changed over time. What is a lush plain now may have been a desert in the past, or vice versa. Eight, the Lost Woods is living and animate, and exists in different locations at different points of history. Number nine, the various peoples of Hyrule are also living and animate, and live in different places at different points of history. That that stands to reason. People. These are all solid premises. Yeah. So with that in mind, I want to just go through the maps in release order. Oh, so Zelda oh, I like one, this version of, have... of the Legend of Zelda map. Where is this first one from? What's that? Where's this first uh, picture you have here of the, the, it's almost like a clay model of the Legend of Zelda map? I believe that's from the manual with the text um, stamp tooled out. Yes, I can confirm because I was looking at it earlier. It's amazing. So we have a pretty consistent presentation of the geography of the Little Kingdom and all the different sources. So I'm going to take this one to also be a pretty accurate map for the series. But the... And of course, in Zelda 2, we know that the Little Kingdom, the Death Mountain area, is sort of shoved into the southwest corner. But the version of this Hyrule that I'm actually going to use is from the Valiant Comics, which extend, which makes the Little Kingdom much bigger, and basically the entire southern half of Hyrule, with oh. the, the like archipelago of islands to the Okay. Mm. And on the Breath of the Wild map, I am placing this in basically the southern half of Hyrule. So the Little Kingdom, you see the Death Mountains are actually the Gerudo mountain range. The Little Kingdom extends all the way to the sea where Lorelin Village is. Yep. And uh, the northwest region is uh, sort of the Hyrule Ridge region of Breath of the Wilds. And then as you go further east, you get to the islands. So at at the, the point in history of the Adventure of Link... The water level is higher than it is in Breath of the Wild. Okay. But you can see it it kind of fits. That does indeed kind of fit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, let's scroll down and where you've transposed the map on the Breath of the Wild map. Now this, generally speaking, I can see what you're doing here. You should, uh, do we have a bit.ly for this? Uh, I'll make one. Please do. Yeah. I'll, it will be in the description. Great. Um, moving on to A Link to the Past, you can see that this is the famous Valley of Hyrule. It is bounded by mountains on all sides except the northwest, which is where the Lost Woods are. Okay. And then you look at Ocarina of Time, it's also bounded by mountains except for the southeast, where the Lost Woods are. Right. So I'm proposing that these two are actually connected Ocarina of Time is to the west, and Link to the Past is to the east, but they're both in the Nekluda Valley region, because if you look at it in the map, the valley is sort of split into two halves. Can you see it? I can see it. Yes. 
So that, that west part is Ocarina of Time, and the east part near um, Heteno is A Link to the Past, with the Lost Woods in the middle there. I see. And then the, there's the zoomed out image that shows how small a part of the Breath of the Wild map this represents. Yes, you can even see an image of the Little Kingdom of Hyrule, where the whole Nakluda Valley region is contained in like a little part in the in the no- northeast. Oh, there's only a bunch of leavers in that part. That's right. <laughs> I I like this because Nakluda is a very important region, and Kakariko uh, may have different functions at each time, but certainly it is a very dense population area. I can imagine it to be, um, and uh, why the Shika might stay there as well. Yeah, this is old Hyrule. Mm-hmm. Um, also important is that. If we line this up with the Breath of the Wild map, that means the Gerudo Valley basically is where the Dueling Peaks, where that where you pass through them. Right. And that means that Central Hyrule during this period is actually desertified. Oh, very interesting. Yes. So this is effectively, if the Gerudo Desert was there, the Gerudo have been migrating out. Yes, towards at, the west. At this point, the Gerudo Desert extends up to the Dueling Peaks. Got it. So they, they really greenified the land over the course of many thousands of years. Uh, next up is Four Swords. This actually very closely corresponds to the Akala region of Breath of the Wilds. You got the mountains to the, uh, the northwest. Then you got the sea to the east and the, a lush green area on the coastline. The big new feature is that there's a, a big ice area in the southwest, which the only other time we see that is in the Minish Cap, where there's an ice area to the northeast. So I propose that those are actually connected, and the Minish Cap kingdom is in uh, central Hyrule. Wow, okay. Got it. So as the land greenified... Uh... What was considered Hyrule spread and the castle has also migrated. Yes. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on the order of these things, hmm. but clearly there is a period of desert and a period of green for mm-hmm. Hyrule Field. That, that stands to reason. Uh, you can also see in the Minish Cap, the northwest represents the Hyrule Ridge. Yeah, I do see it for sure. And yeah. Four Swords Adventures is an unusual one because this is the only Hyrule that is an island. Oh, yeah. And... It's uh, it has a, a mountainous north, then sort of a, a green plain southwest, and then a little bit of ice and desert. Green plain southeast, and then an ice area and a desert area in the southwest. Where where is this map from? Uh, this is from in game. Oh, good grief! Boy, I tell you what, Nintendo really loves it's having deserts to the west. <laughs> so I had some trouble locating this one because. It kind of has to be on a plateau that also has mountains to the north. Right. And I think the best candidate is, once again, the Hyrule Ridge region. Because if you look at the in-game picture, the first one, you can see a big mountain to the uh, northeast of Four Swords Adventures Islands. And that corresponds well with uh, Mount Drenna to the northeast of Hyrule Ridge in Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah, I am seeing it there. If you look at Hyrule Ridge, you can see how if the area around it was flooded, it would kind of be like an island. Ancient floodplains. Yes. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So this 
Hyrule must have existed at a time when the, the area around it was still pretty. So this would be either not long after Wind Waker or maybe even before Wind Waker. Or maybe... I think that I think there might have been another flood. Yeah. Yeah. It could even be contemporaneous if they're far enough removed from each other. That's true. It could be. Could it be possible that this is? <laughs> I don't know if this lines up with your your theories so far, Crystal, but. What if this was, this is Hyrule in Bubbled under the sea? Okay. Huh? When, when Monica, you are so full of shit sometimes. The Wind Waker Hyrule under the sea. I know what you're Which was bubbled about. up by Ganon. It's an island in the ocean. I, I guess that's true. It's just because the graphics are kind of like Wind Wakers. I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of Wind Waker. Yes. Uh, I, I did skip over Wind Waker. So yes, I think that what we know at the end of Wind Waker is that Tetra and Link sail north from Outset Island. And we know that Spirit Tracks Hyrule has a sea realm in the southeast, which suggests that New Hyrule is northwest of the Great Sea, which basically lines up with my Nekluda Valley theory. Mm. That makes sense. I think that the sea realm is actually so close to the Great Sea that they overlap a little bit. I think that Outset Island um, roughly corresponds on Breath of the Wild to the Tuft Mountain area in Southeast Hyrule. And uh, the, the rest of the islands don't correspond perfectly, but you can see, like, in this mountainous region, a lot of the peaks around Nekluda could be could be islands. I think Dragon Roost is probably um, Ebon Mountain, mm-hmm. roughly, or maybe, maybe even Mount Laneru. And then the Forsaken Fortress is actually pretty far into the uh, the Spirit Track Sea Realm. It'd be around where Ocarina of Time is. And that would explain for why Gandorf is so attached to that area. Yes. Notably, the Tower of the Gods would actually be um, at Loshlo Harbor, That's which is uh, where, where the road from Hateno sort of goes to the sea. Oh, huh. interesting. Yeah. That is Even though... Um, if you like do a boundary break in Wind Waker and you look at the underwater castle from the sky, uh, it looks like it's in Ocarina of Time Lake Hylia because it's in a lake surrounded by mountains. Oh. Yeah. No, I think that's the image just up higher. That's the boundary break. Oh, yes. Huh. Yeah, there's a... Hmm. Is the world actually on a sphere like it's curved? Or is that just the perspective? I think that's just the perspective okay. making the skybox look weird. <laughs> okay. You can see that they... I mean, the castle got destroyed, so they must have rebuilt it somewhere else. That's mm-hmm. very true. Yeah, given um, g- given the degree to which um, the geography of Hyrule on the Breath of the Wild map is visibly subject to very violent forces, it doesn't take a big leap in logic to assume that what used to be mountain peaks may simply not be there anymore in the Breath of the Wild time. Right, exactly. Um, then on to Twilight Princess. This was the tough one. It's a y- toughie. yeah. Because you look at it, you have Snow Peak to the northeast, which you know seems like it could roughly line up line up with Hebra. Then you have Gerudo Desert to the west, which kind of lines up if you move Snow Peak down, so that it's actually once again at Hyrule Ridge. Um, and at that point, Lake Hylia is kind of where the Great Plateau is in Breath of the Wild. So that's where I got the idea that maybe. The Great Plateau kind of plugged that lake at some point in history for some reason. Wow. Which is why Lake Kylia kind of seems like it is cut in half in Breath of the Wild. Hmm. 
So the Great Plateau is like a big cork. Yeah. No, that makes sense to me. In the context of Legend of Zelda geography and the way that the land has changed, yeah, that, that that's reasonable. Yes. Twilight Princess Zora's domain is actually where the castle is in Breath of the Wild, but the Zora River matches up with Zora's domain in Breath of the Wild. Uh, so at some point they moved. Okay. No, that actually, that lines up a lot more than I thought it would. Yes. Of course, Hyrule Field is split into a few areas, but Upper Hyrule Field corresponds to Central Hyrule. Uh, Southern Hyrule Field corresponds to the, the Farron Woods, and the Elden Hyrule Field corresponds to Nakluda Valley. Uh, Death Mountain is actually Breath of the Wild Mount Laneru, and Kakariko Village is tucked in around the same place where Hateno Village would be built in Breath of the Wild. Hmm. I kind of stunned that you got this to line up this well yeah it kind of works kind of works if you squint it doesn't really account for the fact that there are like huge bottomless pits everywhere but (laughs) it's the best i can do i mean they they can close up it's fine yeah and the Uh, the cold area in the northwest is is all the snow peak stuff yes yeah okay um and the, the toughest part of this to swallow is that ordona is actually in a place that is now flooded as of Breath of the Wild. You can see it's completely where the sea is. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I actually think this makes it make more sense because Ordon Village in Ordona is very much like a newish, unhyrulish place to the Hyrulians. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And a a flooded area or not considered part of traditional Hyrule makes sense. Would would you, Monica? Would you suggest then that it's possible that Twilight Princess could take place after Breath of the Wild? Sure, it could. That the the Kokiri Forest, the Lost Woods, has lifted more land out of the sea. Yeah, that would make sense. Huh. I'm I'm kind of liking this. I'm thinking this is kind of good. On to Spirit Tracks. Uh, the volcano basically lines up with Death Mountain and Breath of the Wild. The snow region lines up with Hebra. The uh, forest realm lines up with Hyrule Fields, and sort of um, the water extends into where Gerudo Desert would. So it seems like this is a point of like maximum um, water level. Makes sense. Or maybe not as maximum as the Great Flood, but pretty high water level. And you can see uh, Southeast Hyrule is is pretty well flooded, and you can see how there's a lot of overlap between the Sea Realm and the Great Sea. Could could. Gerudo, could that desert from Breath of the Wild also act as... It's surrounded by mountains on all sides as far as we can see. Could it also have acted as a sort of basin at that point? It could have, yeah. Crystal, I'm getting kind of like... Getting kind of tripped out at how well you're making all these line up. (laughs) Thank you. When we think then of... uh, So Wind Waker is a much smaller segment of the map. And when Link and Tetra Jury need out, they, they really just went to the rest of Hyrule. Is that yes. right? Okay. I don't think it was that long of a voyage. Mm. <laughs> a stone's throw away. Yes. It's just that no one had had the guts to do it before. It takes a true adventurer's spirit. Yeah, I buy that. Mm-hmm. That's why they arrived when they were still little kids. <laughs> that also makes perfect sense. Um, And uh, Skyward Sword is next. This one's a little weird because... First of all, we don't really know the exact distances between the regions because they're represented so abstractly. Right. So there's room to fudge things there. 
But the most unusual feature is actually that the Laneru Sea is to the west, which is not something we have seen before. Oh, oh, that does that does actually line up though. And if you place um, Skyward Sword between Spirit Tracks and say Breath of the Wild or Twilight Princess, the transition from the Sand Sea to the Ancient Water Sea that that's in there. I think that the Sand Sea lines up with the desertified Central Hyrule. Ah, okay. So Elden is in fact Breath of the Wild Death Mountain. Uh, Faron is the Akala Laneru region. It's like very uh, heavily forested at this point in history. And that means the Seal Temple is actually where Breath of the Wild Zora's domain is. Huh. Huh. Which could answer for why the Hylians kicked the Zora out of the area. It could be, yeah. I think it's... in. It- I have to admit, Crystal, I would have taken the easy route because you've done the much harder thing here, which is taking this map and treating it as if it were to scale. I would have taken the coward's route and taken all three uh, separate parts and separated them much more to line up more cleanly with the Breath of the Wild map. Mm-hmm. But this where is where would you put them? I would probably put the Laneru Sansi. Um, just on the edge of the Gerudo Desert in Breath of the Wild, and I'd probably put the Faron Woods in the Faron region. Okay. But again, I think that the way you did it here is actually much more impressive. Notably, the Laneru Skyward Sword region lines up exactly where the big ice region of Manish Cap Four Swords is. Mm. So at some point, there was some kind of big glacier there, and I guess it must have melted, and then the water must have receded, or something like that. Because of the volcanoes. Yeah, because of the volcanoes. This is so many hundreds of thousands of years. Um, a Link Between Worlds is just A Link to the Past again. Same map. Goes in the same spot. And then we have the Breath of the Wild map. Which is the most canonical of all maps. So here's my like half a timeline idea that is op- open to extreme revision. I think Minish Cap is back to being the first game. Hyrule is founded in Central Hyrule. Maybe this happens after Rauru's founding or whatever. But I'm not too worried about in-game details. I'm more trying to track geographical history. This is a big picture timeline. Yes. Four Swords, Vati escapes into the Akala region. They have the adventure there. The Akala region at that point is not quite as settled as the Central Hyrule region. Uh, In Four Swords Adventures, the glacier has melted and Central Hyrule enters a period of great flooding. Hmm. Hyrule Ridge becomes an island with its own kingdom. I love this idea that you've, like, this thing you've created where Hyrule is subject to periodic floods because, like, that detail is built into Breath of the Wild, but you've expanded it into this much larger thing that describes, like, was Wind Waker Hyrule cursed by the gods? Or was it just part of the regular flooding cycle that this continent goes through? Yeah. I mean, you know, like uh, 20,000 years ago, the Persian Gulf was a valley and then it flooded. True. So there can be pretty major uh, geographic changes in not that long of a time span. Yeah. And uh, which were uh, addressed by the dams and so on in Breath of the Wild. Yes. Wow. That could be one of the functions of the Great Plateau is basically a big dam. Okay. 
It kind of looks like a dam. I'm really big into this. It kind of looks like, like a dam on the sides. Yeah, it, a yeah, dam. It yeah. Uh, after Four Swords Adventures, I've placed Skyward Sword. Central High Rule, once a sea has dried out into a desert, Akala and Lanayru have become richly forested. Demise is sealed in the future Zora's domain, and Elden is volcanic but not called Death Mountain. Because that's a Hylian name. It is. Hylians ain't around. True. Ocarina of Time. Hyrule Field is still desertified. Hylians from Skyloft settle in Nekluda Valley. In the adult timeline, southeast Hyrule is still flooded, but the flood water has receded in the mainland, and it has turned most of the desert green. I think that the War of Spirits probably happens while the Great Sea exists, but they don't notice it. It happens before the return of Ganon. I cannot believe how cleanly and in <laughs> how short a form you've managed to address the question of what about the Old Kingdom? Because it's like, well, the Old Kingdom was right there. Yes. And by spirit tracks, the Great Sea Hillians have arrived and there are uh, spirit tracks everywhere that were built off screen during the War of Spirits while they weren't looking. Damn. Um, and then in the in the child timeline, I guess, a link to the past happens um, just by expansion into East Nekluda. It, it could be that, like, the main castle was moved into East Nekluda, or it could just be that they have two castles, like in, like, a two-emperor situation. Hell yeah. Uh, a link between worlds. More trouble in East Nekluda happens, <laughs> but not much geographically happening. I, I really like this, too, because... It's really establishing the west side of Hyrule in Breath of the Wild. Like that, don't worry, not much goes on over there. But the east side is a fucking yeah, problem. It's it's rocking. And I think as sometime after that, sometime I think actually a very long time after that is Twilight Princess, because the kingdom has expanded well beyond the Nekluda Valley. It's basically the same size as New Hyrule now. And in the Adventure of Link, that's even more true, because now there are settlements all over Hyrule. This is like the the monarchy at its height entering its new golden age. And at some point after that, Breath of the Wild. Huh. This does not really account for all the Ganon and Triforce business. It's just a geographical. Well, I mean, even if it's just a geographical account, I think that the the freedom that we have to interpret the text in these games and the sheer there are specific elements in tears of the kingdom like a canonical there's at least two ganons in one timeline and hyrule has been founded multiple times for sure now i i think it gives us a lot more freedom to interpret the games towards a specific reading so as as much as five years ago i would have balked at this idea yeah i I think this reads pretty cogently, Crystal. Yeah, like, yeah. Zelda's and Link's come and go, and so do Gendorf's now. So, really. The land. <laughs> the land. Persists. The land persists. I like that. And this this cleanly answers the question about why Hyrule is the same in the Switch games across millions of years. Because it's always been pretty close to the same. Yes, it just, the water level at two points of history has matched. I, for, I forgot to mention that also... Sometime after Twilight Princess, before Adventure of Link, there must have been another rise in water level that, among other things, flooded Ordona. That would make sense. I, I think that one of the one of the really enchanting little historical ideas suggested here is that because the desert was so massive 
during the period of Ocarina of Time, the Gerudo nation must have been several times larger than Hyrule. Yes, they they were more um, peers. Huh. Yeah, I quite like that. And you can also see how Ganondorf might have... In, in the era of expansion in Twilight Princess, they, they really expanded into former Gerudo territory. Yes. Definitely. The lands that had been Grunified. Yeah. Oh, you, you've created an... I think that of all the different timelines that we're going to be presenting today, Crystal, yours actually reads the closest to a historical account. Oh, thank you. Because th- this feels like there's like a geopolitical reality being described by it. <laughs> And the little details of it feels almost like the little dynasts that rise and fall in specific regions. Like the entire history of Western culture is just in the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah. I also like that this is saying basically that the Koroks have done good work in building out the land. Yeah, they've done a very good job. They work very hard. Wow. Okay. Um are there any other details that strike you about this crystal or is, is, there, is there any part of it that you feel like you want us to weigh in on to help get some things nailed down? It seems to me like there was a lot of exchange between the Zora and the Hyrule Kingdom because it seems like the locations of the castles keep switching around. Do you... Because if the Seal Temple is in Breath of the Wild Zora's domain... And if we think that's where Skyloft came down, which makes sense because it's like the Seal Temple is a big pit that could have been filled with water. Um, The Great Plateau must have moved from Laneru to where it currently is around Lake Hylia. I mean, that does make... yeah. And if you look at the location of the castle in... Uh, Breath of the Wild, it's kind of a Zora-like location, right? It makes sense that the Zora mm-hmm. of Twilight Princess might have lived there at some point because it's like surrounded by water. It's kind of a river delta area. It, it is definitely in the very center of the Hyrulean floodplains. I think that this this works because Zora need to be around fresh water, right? And so as the waters move across the land, uh, they need to move with it. And if humans, if Hylians come around and start sullying that water, then there's also a migration over somewhere to where the water's clean. Like industrialization? Yes. Oh, okay. I mean, that that makes... Okay, so basically you're suggesting that... And Crystal, let me know if this is an idea that uh, vibes with you. Monica, you're suggesting that basically the Hyruleans are forcing the Zora to move whenever they go after fresh water for themselves. Kind of, yes. But it's, I think it's also, it's not, it is a bit hostile. It is a bit colonial. But it's also just, I think, a natural consequence. As they go to a fresher area and develop there, they themselves might be sullying the area. Sure, yeah. Everybody Kinda impacts does. the uh, biomes around mm-hmm. them. And it might not be a bad thing that, you know, they're fostering trade with the Hylians. The Hylians are putting up shop. But then it just becomes, well, this part's a little too busy. We're going to move elsewhere. What What's your read of what goes on there politically, Crystal? I think that because the water levels in Hyrule keep changing through natural processes as well as man-made ones, 
that kind of forces the Zoras to move around. And they have some sort of accord with the Hillians so that they they always have some sort of you take the land, we'll take the water understanding. Huh. Yeah, I, I feel that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. It it also explains maybe the Breath of the Wild backstory is actually part of where this migration was brought to an end as Zora's domain took control of the floodwaters. Yes, it seems like a lot of Breath of the Wild Zora's domain is focused on like reservoirs and purification and keeping that stuff under control in a way that the Zora haven't necessarily had such control over before. And so now the people of Hyrule can occupy the floodplains without worrying about being forced to move again when the water levels rise. Right. Huh. This is so cogent, Crystal. I, this is this is a legit timeline. Like, getting the specifics of the games in order and getting the little political realities to line up, sure. But this, yeah, this is real. One more thing is that if the Death Mountain of Ocarina of Time is roughly the um, the Phalian Highlands era area, and uh, Twilight, and then uh, Twilight Princess and uh, a Link to the Past Death Mountain is roughly Mount Laneru, that means that whole North Nakluda Mountain Range, South Laneru Mountain Range, must have been volcanic at some point. Huh. That does. That yeah, I. How many of the mountains in Hyrule were previously volcanic? It feels like damn near all of them. Seems like it. It's Japan. This is a very tectonically <laughs> active area. It is just Japan, I guess. And that also lines up with why Death Mountain in Twilight Princess and A Link to the Past seems so much bigger than it is in Ocarina Time. Mm. Because Mount Laneru is way bigger. I like that Death Mountain is effectively a title given to the giant-ass volcano mountain. Yes. <laughs> it is a Hylian name for biggest mountain round here. That might kill you. Yeah. Yeah. And as that changes, of course, then, you know, you can't have, have two named Death Mountains. It's just that one over there that's bigger and more terrifying. And um, one more implication of this is that Hebra has actually not been very influential in Hylian history. Uh-huh. Um, it only really started to get settled in whenever the the Adventure of Link towns were settled, because it's the northwest of that map. It's a lot of um, untouched land, in a way. Yes. I mean, that makes... And even though it has a lot of Hylian settlements as of Zelda 2, as of Breath of the Wild, it is firmly a Rito region. So something happened. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was just an effect of the climate shifting. Maybe we're getting closer to another Hyrulean Ice Age. Could be. Huh. Man, I really like this timeline. (laughs) Damn, I wasn't, I came in here, I was not expecting to be this impressed by a crystal, but this is a legit motherfucker. This one's for real. God damn. Okay. Thank you. And I I really look forward to everyone uh, listening to this being able to look at this document and go over it again, re-listening to this section, and slowly going, oh, oh, shit. Oh, the visuals shit, really help. It does. I hope that people understand it. I think they will. I think <laughs> that the overlays you've done will help them to understand it. Monica, why don't you go ahead and start laying out yours? Okay. Because, Crystal, can I be perfectly honest? Uh-huh. The thing is that you two prepared these really nice documents. I didn't do that. 
I have been, um, our listeners need to know that I've been distracted because I'm back in school and my semester just ended and my ability to write up documents has uh, been curtailed for the past month or so. So I'm going to be going a lot more off the cuff compared to Crystal and Monica here, and I'm still arranging it in my head a little bit. Okay. Okay. I will pull up my document. I won't share it, at least just as of yet. Um, No? Not with me and Crystal? No peeking. (laughs) No peeking? No peeking. How can you say that after Crystal's been so generous? Yes. This Crystal blows mine out of the, the water, I feel. Um, but this is the, the chronological timeline. I still think you should call it the release <laughs> order timeline. It, it, this is, this is a, a assertion that is firmly chronological, by which I mean, yes, in release order. The timeline of the games is also the order in which they were released. Yes. Which is very helpful for setting some some key moments uh, along a line, and the rest of the effort is to work around it. Crystal, have you ever heard people going like, uh, obvi- when people responding like all snootily to the timeline question by going, "Well, they're just release order because there's no such thing as a timeline." Do people say they're just release order? They've said that the order of the games is the order they were released in because there is no timeline. Okay. You've never heard that one? Okay, well, I fucking heard that one. I think that... I mean, I agree that you should play things in release order. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think this understanding of the timeline, and you'll probably both notice as we go along, the first part with the first few games, this is how some people simply perceive the timeline up to, I don't know, Wind Waker. Yeah. Yeah. When we talk about... I guess Skyward Sword even. Ocarina, Skyward Sword, they sort of complicated it, but as the games were advancing, people were just putting them in a line. Yeah. Chronologically, because uh, where else would you put it? It's like it? Ocarina was the first game, and then the other games came in a certain order, and it was very easy to understand <laughs> up to a point. Yes. Okay, so uh, let us start uh, with the release order. Uh, the first game, of course, The Legend of Zelda, February... Not February. Is it February 1986? I don't know. I can't 1986. Check. I think I wrote down... Hold on. <laughs> Cut this out. I think I wrote down my birthday. <clears throat> February Did it freaking 21st. out come out February? February 21st. Okay. I didn't just typo. Wow. That's awesome. It's your birthday game, just like Fantasy Star is my birthday game. <laughs> okay. So starting with the first game, The Legend of Zelda... February 1986, um, and we know that it's the first game because, as the manual says, a long, long time ago, the world was in an age of chaos. Is that how we know? Uh-huh. That's how we know. So uh, there is a little kingdom of Hyrule, and it has a uh, tr- has Triforces. That's pretty neat. And uh, at the time of The Legend of Zelda, um, Ganon has uh, done an incursion into the land. Zelda has broken the Triforce of Wisdom. Link, this kid about 10 years old, restores the Triforce of Wisdom, defeats Ganon. I'm going to label him Ganon 1. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Then we get to Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. This is in uh, January 1987. Uh, This is... Pretty much concretely seven years later. 
Link is 16 years old. That we know for sure. Uh, he recovers a Triforce of Courage, wakes the first Zelda of the Little Kingdom, which, you know, was who knows how many generations ago. That doesn't really matter. Um, Ganon's minions were trying to revive him. It didn't work. Uh, the Triforce, now whole, uh, comes to, to Hyrule. And uh, Link may or may not be king. Again, not too important. The Triforce is stashed in the Sacred Realm. Secret area of Hyrule. Okay, so after that is the backstory of Link to the Past. Yes. Which yes. is also the introduction of Ganon 2. Yes. Okay, so we're three <laughs> games deep and we've already got two Ganons. <laughs> yeah. And now that I think of it, there might be like the the whole evil wizard thing in the backstory of Zelda 2. A different might Ganon. Be, might be a different Ganon, Ganon 0. <laughs> Potentially, we're on Ganon three, and three <laughs> but, games. but we're just going to say by the games. So this is Ganon two. Ganondorf. This is what Tears of the Kingdom has done to us, <laughs> because we we can't really stick to one Ganon theory anymore. So why not have a hundred Ganons? <laughs> yeah, and much like um, your Death Mountain thing, maybe Ganondorf is just simply term for a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, he is the Daimao is Ganon. It reminds me, I'm reading through the book of the new son by Gene Wolfe right now. And uh, the premise, uh, mild spoilers, it doesn't matter, uh, is that these are visions or uh, memories, the history of the future sent to present time as written down by Gene Wolfe. Hell yeah. (laughs) And of course, words are different Things are different, so he's tried to find the most fitting current or slightly ancient or very ancient words to fit the model of explaining what happens in the future. So, Smilodons that exist might be the old Smilodons of uh, dinosaur ages. Smilodon did not live in the dinosaur ages. <laughs> Sorry, whatever ages. Not a dinosaur Ice kid. age? I don't know dinosaurs. I don't know. They're not Sabre dinosaurs. Don't they know were Sabre just Sabre in Tigers. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. There's okay. a difference. Anyway, they might or might not be Smilodons, and they might or might not have been uh, brought back by DNA or brought back by alien humans or, look, it doesn't matter. doesn't it's matter. It's a term that works. Are you relating this to Zelda somehow? Gandorf. Okay. Gandorf might just be a term. So you're actually- Zelda pre- might just be a term. So you're presenting the games as historical documents. Um- Sort of parsed and understood by us. Crystal, how do you feel about the idea of games being presented as historical dramatizations? I like that. That makes sense to me. They are legends, after all. (laughs) They are, once again, diegetically video games, and the video games are just how they present these dramatized legends. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're necessarily legends, but it's just that when it's transmuted to us, I guess that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, but anyway, it's Gandorf 2. Or 3. Or three. Gandorf two breaks into the sacred realm and uh, claims the Triforce. He's a thief, right? Uh, As you do. And then he turns the the sacred realm into the dark world. Uh, A bunch of stuff happens. Link shows up, I guess, reclaims the Triforce. The sacred realm is healed. Actually, come to think of it, maybe Demon Thief is Ganon. Not Dai Ma'o, but like the King of the Thieves. Sure. Because every time Ganon really moves, he's a thief. Um, but uh, the the Triforce is nice and whole and clean. Uh, so 
nicely dovetails into Link is bored. He's going to go on a sailing adventure. So as everyone has posited at the time, Link's Awakening is uh, Link to the Past, Link. Just sailing off. Yeah. Okay. And then, motherfucker. (laughs) And then, uh, game number five is Ocarina of Time. So Ganondorf 3... Um, Ganondorf 1, Ganon 3, possibly Ganon 4. <laughs> Do we count a Ganon as a Ganon? No. Okay. Ganon 3 <laughs> breaks into the Sacred Realm again uh, th- during the events of Ocarina of Time. And uh, the Triforce is divided. Uh, the future happens. Link kills Ganondorf. Um, is sealed, but... Uh, Zelda sends Link back into uh, the past. So we time travel back to youth. Uh, The Triforce is unbroken, uh, but moved to Hyrule proper for guarding in in the more immediate regions of the castle. Uh, Link visits Zelda, but she's forgotten about him. This is um, one of the consequences of the time travel. Uh, But he makes sure and clear enough uh, to her or to the kingdom that Gandorf 3 is a risk. Uh, Gandorf 3's plot is averted and he's executed. You keeping up with this okay, Crystal? Yeah. All right. Okay. So one of the things... It would be a lot easier if we had the document. Okay, let me share it. Thank you. Share and export. I I appreciate this vulnerability that you're willing to share with our host, Crystal. And your co-guest, Cameron. Cameron, hey. Wait, I should probably share by link. Yes. Now, Crystal, you can feel it coming, right? We're just before things start to get a little bit hinky for the timeline. It's about to get a little more complicated. (laughs) Crystal, can you access this? No, I need access. Okay. Oh, you guys said it to anyone with the link. Okay, hold on. I'm just not familiar with it on a computer. Manage access. There, I've said it to anyone with the link. Crystal, try again. Okay. Yes, I have. I Great. have it here. So one of the pivotal things that I wanted to do with this timeline is no branching. This is chronological in a line. There's no forks in this line. Okay. <laughs> See, Crystal, that was my response. You might remember, Crystal, that I was originally trying to come up with a timeline a lot like this one, but I was using a fork timeline to say like, okay, as long as they're in release order on each of these timelines, then it's in the spirit of it. And that would be a lot easier, right? Yeah. But here we are. Yeah, no, that's a coward's path. Coward's path? <laughs> you prick. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, through this in a line timeline, um, you know, Link and Zelda in Ocarina of Time, uh, once things are set right, there's not too much. Don't scroll down. Okay, okay. Okay. What the fuck? What? Scroll down to the game when I talk about. Oh, sure thing, my heart. <laughs> okay. Um, but they're 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 only like mild friends at best. Just a very like interesting acquaintance for a very momentous moment in time, and then not really followed up on because it's kind of weird. Okay. Uh, after that is Majora's Mask. Please continue. And uh, it is a side story adventure of Link uh, of Ocarina of Time. He's a bit unsettled by the fact that he's a little bit unmoored and people that he remembers very clearly 
do not recall him. And so he does a bit of soul searching. Termina's a good place for it because it's kind of weird. Um, outside of his journeys after that, after uh, preventing the moon from falling, he returns to Hyrule. Okay. Now we have the Oracle what Games. What was that, Crystal? I said, okay. Okay. <laughs> now we have the Oracle Games. And uh, Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages were released at the same time in February 2001. So, again, it doesn't really matter which one happens first. No, hold the fuck up. This first bullet point says happens simultaneously. <laughs> well, yeah, it can happen simultaneously because, you know, powers of the Triforce. One might happen and the other. It's like a slight forking, but it's not really a forking because it just proceeds in a line. Okay, look. Okay. <laughs> now, what is the... Crystal, I want you to read the next bullet point. Zelda of Ocarina of Time, but she has forgotten Link. That's why I said don't scroll down. It's very key. It's key. It's the same Zelda. <laughs> it's also the same Impa. Okay. She's put on a bit of weight. No, she's a power lifter now. Yeah. Power lifters just look like that. Yeah. Um, they don't remember Link. Because of time travel. Because of time travel. Okay. Uh, Link, you know, showed up briefly. She was unsettled enough and felt weird enough to give him the Ocarina of Time. But and teach him the Song of Time. Yeah, that was just a moment in her life that got very busy with, you know, the Grudo and Ganondorf and the Triforce coming. And No, I kind of buy that, actually. Yeah. You were memorable for a moment, but then not really. But then you vanished. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Zelda of Ocarina of Time is making peace visits to other kingdoms nearby. Uh, but uh, Komei and Kotake, who are still alive, um, are seeking to revive Ganondorf Three, Ocarina of Time Ganondorf. Now, is Ocarina of Time Ganondorf dead? Yes, he was executed after Ocarina of Time. Oh, okay, okay, got it, yes, okay. Um, but they're stopped by Link. It, it's, uh, I like this sort of because it follows vaguely along the same lines of um, Zelda 1 and Zelda 2, where I guess they're not after Link's blood specifically. They're after Zelda's slash, you They're know, trying to light the flame of despair. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it has a nice parallel to... Zelda 2 in my mind. Yeah, the, the, the ritual sacrifices. Um, with the people who were sort of interlinked with the events of Gandorf's demise. Right. Uh, <laughs> the Triforce scatters in the end, and one goes to Gandorf's spirit, which revives him. I feel like this is a bit flimsy. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. This one's a little bit flimsy to me. I would like to say that this is something that the Historia asserts. Is it? Yes. Doesn't. But it doesn't happen. Yeah, that doesn't happen. And in the Historia timeline, um, the Oracle games do not come before Wind Waker. No, no. But they do stick the time the Triforce as flying off as birds, and in Link Between Worlds. Yeah, yeah. I that sure that part I get the Triforce flying off to the people that best embody it. I hundred percent. I understand. I use it myself in my own version of this timeline. Yes. But. Monica. Concretely, in Link Between Worlds, a dead Ganon has the Triforce of Power. Okay, but does that happen in fucking Wind Waker? Why would the Triforce of Power revive Ganon in the backstory of Wind Waker, but not in uh, Link Between Worlds? No, no, th this this ties together. <laughs> oh, oh, 
This better tie together. You're telling me that shit. Okay. Um, okay. So the Triforce has scattered to the people that have uh, best embodied it, who have touched it before, whatever reason. Link and Zelda get courage and wisdom, but Link is kind of tired of it all. He entrusts the Triforce of Courage to the royal family and leaves far, far away to a distant continent. We'll, we'll come up later. It will? <laughs> he can't stand being in a land... That he remembers and remembers the people, but they don't know him. How are you feeling? Oh, that's actually really sad. Yes. How are you feeling about this so far, Crystal? I'm following so far. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wind Waker. This is 2002. Uh, Gandorf here is the same Gandorf. Three. Three from Ocarina of Time. Uh, come back to life through the power of the Triforce of Power. I'll give you a moment to think that over. Yeah, no, I I understand. It's okay. very simple. It just makes me wonder why it doesn't happen at other points. Maybe it does. It, claim, it plainly <laughs> doesn't in Link Between Worlds. It's gotten very strong. What? Just continue. Okay. <laughs> I don't have all of the answers. This is still a work in progress. Okay. Um, so... Uh, he makes a grab for uh, Hyrule. Hyrule is drowned. Civilization blooms despite it. Uh, Gandorf three reunites the Triforce through the actions of Wind Waker or the story of Wind Waker. The King of Red Vines wishes to destroy Hyrule with it. Uh, the Triforce disappears to a different place. It is the era of no Triforce. Uh, Lincoln's Tetra go sailing <laughs> off into the distance. And uh, they encounter the realm of the Ocean King, uh, which is a pocket dimension, as accounted by the game. Crystal. Uh huh. Yeah. Are you? I want. Do you see where Monica's going with this? Yeah. Yeah. They just sail off, and the people are waving goodbye, and then just bloop, they're gone. And it's like, where the fuck did they go? And well, I mean, just... it's in the distance. Sure, but they still bloop. Yes. They, they bloop for a while. It is a pocket dimension. They have blooped. Okay, so there's no parallel. Time doesn't run the same in the world of the Ocean King. Yes, and I would like to say that it's not running the same even a little bit outside of the domain. So the ship in which the pirates are on, that is in this weird time zone. Right, too. yes, yes. Yeah. So they were sailing into it um, through the events of Phantom Hourglass. So it takes 10 minutes of ship time for Phantom Hourglass to take place, but it might take, we'll get back to it, amounts of time <laughs> in the outside world. Yes. Okay. Uh, the next game that I have is uh, Four Swords, which in Japan came out uh, after Wind Waker. But uh, there's some stuff that happens in the backstory here. So Link, Ocarina of Time Link... We mentioned that he moved away into a new land to be forgotten. Uh, but that land is in crisis. So he shows up. He gets an awesome sword from uh, some nice visitors of the land. He saves some maidens and seals Vati. Notably, he's still a kid. His legend spreads here. I don't know if he becomes king or not, but uh, the people of that new continent flourish. A kingdom forms. A high roll with a Zelda. <laughs> it is like Rome in that everyone wants to be Rome. I see. So he spreads the culture of Hyrule so much that the people around him want to make it into Hyrule. Yes. But doesn't doesn't Four Swords take place in Hyrule? No. 
Well, a, a Hyrule. No, I mean in the text of the game. A Hyrule. Okay. This is a historical document. This is this is Rome again. They're just calling it Rome. Okay. Okay. Uh but this is the land where uh Maladis also some time ago had been bound. Um time inconsequential. Um and uh I guess through the events of Four Swords, so this is the four sword that had been enshrined from the time of uh, Ocarina of Time Link. Uh, the seal weakens on Vati. Uh, he breaks out, but is just resealed by the Zelda of that new continent. No, hold on. God damn it. Uh-huh. Everything up to this point, you've framed it as if it was the events of the game, but this is the backstory of Four Sword that you're describing with Ocarina of Time Link. This is the backstory of four swords. Okay, yes. so the first four sword. The first hero four sword hero is, is Ocarina of Time, Time Link. Link. Yes. So the oh. actual game four sword takes place after the founding of Hyrule Two. Yes. Okay. Hey, real, okay. Crystal, how how's this going for you? Yeah, I like this so far. Please continue. Can you edit and just add in backstory just for clarification there? Thank you. Um. Four Swords Adventures happens. This is 2004. Uh, it is the rise of Gandorf Four through a trident of evil. Which, you know, I don't know why. It just happens. This is Ganon Four. We're yeah. up to four Gan- we are at more Ganons than Zeldas. <laughs> damn near. Uh, or about on par, I think. Maybe the same. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the Four Sword Shrine is deliberately weakened by Gandorf Four. Vati breaks out. Uh, Vati is defeated. Doesn't really matter. Uh, Gandorf Four is sealed in the Four Sword through the events of Four Swords Adventures. Um, and in the backstory, that is the backstory to the Minish Cap. <laughs> okay. The Picori Blade had Four Sword powers the whole time. It just lost them like the Wind Waker loses its yeah, sparkle. It, yes, it was very actively degrading... Uh, Gandor 4. And it was expanding a lot of its power yes. doing that. Uh, and by the time of the Minish Cap, Gandor 4's evil essence has been whittled down to just generic monsters. Okay. Um, so when uh, Vati <laughs> 2... We are two Vatis, Monica. <laughs> Look, you he bet- really admired Vati 1. <laughs> Maybe Vati is just the title for Wind Mage. Sure, yeah. And he like they're all edgelords. Monica. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, please continue. <clears throat> I We move from this deeply academic treatment of geography <laughs> in Hyrule, which is like a geopolitical realization of the lived realities. <clears throat> uh, Crystal gives us the closest that we've ever come to fucking historical materialism in a Zelda timeline, uh-huh. and you follow up with Vati 2. I mean, why not Vati 2? Everyone else reincarnates. Yeah. <laughs> Where did Vati 1 go, Monica? He was just defeated. He, he was obliterated. Yeah, he was That's obliterated. Right. He was obliterated. Okay. Just, okay. Um, but he's defeated, not sealed in the Minish Cap. So, like, he's quite obliterated as well. Isn't he's generally se- isn't he shit. sealed in the ministry? No, cap? he's like wished by the wishing cap something something. Okay. <clears throat> okay. We are at, in 2006 now. It is Twilight I, Princess. I actually really like the idea of the four sword as a fungal organism which is decomposing the demon king into little monsters. Oh, thank you. 
Yeah, that is pretty good. It's a lot like how uh, the Master Sword does with Demise. Yes, yes. I think this would dovetail well with Demise. Only the, the Four Sword is spending itself in order to destroy Ganon. Yeah, it's not a Master Sword. Uh, okay, so Twilight Princess. So this happens in the New Continent, Rome 2, <laughs> Hyrule 2. Uh, the flashbacks are to the execution of Gandorf 3 right after Ocarina of Time. Uh, this is still Gandorf 3, but uh, he wanders around in the Twilight Realm. He goes where the Triforce is, generally. Uh, he wanders to this new continent as well. Girl? <laughs> Ganondorf 3 is the same Ganondorf from Wind Waker. Let's see. Yeah? How did he get from having the Master Sword in his head under the ocean to being sent directly from his execution into the Twilight Realm? The, the, Ar- oh, the yeah. Oracle story I, and... I've- and Twilight Thank Prince- you for finding that out. Uh, something about ghosts. <laughs> Damn. Okay, well, we'll come back to it. We'll, we'll workshop it. Do you have any thoughts, you or Crystal? I'd love to hear from Crystal on this. I'm percolating over here. Um, hmm. I- Why not just make this Ganondorf 4? Yeah, I guess you could. Or even Ganon 5. But he, he does have some sort of awareness of the Hero of Time. So, well, no, he, no, guess he, doesn't. he doesn't. Nope. Not even a little. He does comment on this. Comment on what? Oh, wait. Sorry. Twilight Princess, not Wind Waker. I'm getting it all a little bit muddled. Wind Waker? Yes, you sure are. <laughs> Wind Waker knows the hero of time. Yes. Twilight but, Princess doesn't know dick about it. Yeah, So okay. he could easily be Ganon sure. 5. Ganon 5. Let's do it. Fuck. <laughs> You've convinced me. <clears throat> uh, the Triforce, after flying away as birds in the Oracle games... Is confused. There's two Hyrules. There's two Zeldas uh, and Links uh, in this other area, and they travel over to this new continent. Um, you you might think that's confusing, but you know think. why weren't wasn't the Triforce in a whole bunch of games in between Wind Waker and uh, Twilight Princess? You know it it. Okay, please continue. Um, the ancestor of Twilight Princess Link is Ocarina of Time Link, who had moved to the new continent and did all the early Picori Blade stuff. Whatever. Uh, I guess they kill Gandorf. That doesn't matter too much. It doesn't matter too much. <laughs> uh, yeah, because shortly after there's a Maladus outbreak. Uh, this is the land where demons come from the earth. Maladus is bound to the land, uh, but the kingdom decays. The kingdom has decayed. The castle remains. The people are gone. Dang. Okay. <laughs> Fucked up pretty fucked up but it kind of looked like that in in twilight princess so we're in the twilight years of kingdom uh continent two okay conveniently thankfully uh this is 2007 and phantom hourglass comes out is that convenient (laughs) Uh uh-huh uh and the um events of phantom hourglass in the pocket dimension take place and finish and uh, Link from Wind Waker and Tetra uh, leave Pocket Dimension Time and settle in a new continent. And hey, it's got a castle. It, it does have a castle. Let's call it Hyrule. Let's call it Hyrule. It's Hyrule 3 of the new continent. But it's actually built on Hyrule 1? Hyrule 2. Shit. I lost weight. Because Hyrule 2 got destroyed in, in the War of the Spirits. Yes. Okay. Where's Hyrule 1 and all this? It got flooded. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, uh, Phantom 
Hourglass leads into Spirit Tracks. Spirit Tracks is in Hyrule 2. Uh, the whole Maladus resurfacing and coming out happens. Nothing too consequential happens. I love what you do and don't consider consequential. <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess this is where I think age scales start to come in. When you say age scales. Like large time scales. Okay. And I would say that uh, the Triforce, which has been imbued into this land and the key peoples as of around Twilight Princess, um, still sticks around and is refound by the time of the backstory of Skyward Sword. Um, Which, unfortunately, this is the land where demons come from the Earth, and this is where Demise, shortly after Maladus, well, shortly after Maladus, emerges and Hylia uh, shows up into the picture, grabs the Triforce, uh, shoves the uh, Tetris people up into the sky, and uh, the events of Skyward Sword eventually happen. They they do happen. <laughs> okay. Um, I've only got, as you can see, no notes for <laughs> the last the last few games. This was is still a work in progress. But uh, the grand swath of things, you can imagine, uh, Hyrule is founded um, on the land. Uh, a link between worlds happens uh, between Hyrule and Lowrule. Um, and then uh, dovetails into Triforce Heroes, where I think the same sort of thing that we posit in the Accursed Timeline happens. So uh, things sort of spiral out of control again. Lands are mixed around, muddled up. Why does that happen in uh, with one with no timeline splits? Because. Oh. <laughs> Let me think about that. Hmm. The consequence of wishing a Triforce for a Triforce? I don't know. Uh, yeah, okay. That, that is pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. We're, we might be running at 50% Triforce here. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, this is a kidney transplant. We have given one of our kidneys. Sure. Okay. Um... Which conveniently explains why the Triforce in Breath of the Wild is not that powerful. Okay. Uh, shove the rest of the events of Breath of the Wild in there. Um, when does Rauru's kingdom happen? Hmm. Okay, uh, good question. And I think the logical place to put it would probably be the... Let's put it in Kingdom 1. Okay. Kingdom one that was under the surface, but there's still islands there. Eventually, it kind of just dries up. Okay. Hey, Monica, do you remember when you got so confused by the old kingdom versus the new kingdom Uh and continent one and continent two? Uh Why have you done this? I wanted to make a straight line. I think this actually works. I was wondering how you were going to fit in the adult timeline with the child timeline. But I think... Wind Waker, Link, and Zelda disappearing into a bubble while an entire kingdom rises and falls actually solves that problem pretty cleanly. (laughs) Thank you, Crystal. It is pretty smooth. I I think there's definitely some rough patches to iron out. Uh, Thank you for for noting the the Wind Waker, uh, the Gandorf execution not executed. I'll, 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 I'll give that a think, but I don't think it's something that we cannot overcome. Especially with just a new Gandorf. Okay. Now, I want you to understand, you are the smartest person I know. 
No. You are my favorite writer that I know. <laughs> and I am not going to give you any criticisms that I don't think you can handle. And the only reason I throw them at you in the first place is because I think that it speaks to how well you can do it. I think that when going with a release order timeline or a no split timeline, trying to take both together introduces too many complications. I think that the truest and most cogent version of this timeline has split timelines in it. Ah. Okay. I don't, I guess you could. That's what my version was going to look like. (laughs) But I don't think it's necessary. I mean, instead of split timelines, this has split, split spaces. You can just have things happen somewhere else. Yes. And that basically has a similar effect to a split timeline. I mean, I suppose you're right, but it still seems much more complicated. (laughs) Timelines are complicated, Cameron. I don't think you should use that as an excuse not to engage with the text. Okay. I think... It's you're probably right. A split would make it flow a bit more logically and and cleanly. However, that's actually a quite a common perspective putting things chronologically. How do you mean? I think that people might still just easily subdivide and say, "Okay, well, there's a timeline split here, but just why just here?" I see. But, you know, that's almost what the historia attempts that it's vaguely chronological-ish um, with the exception of Skyward Sword. And Ocarina. Yeah. Yeah. But I wanted to go one step further than that. Okay. You you you, you set down the assignment for yourself yeah. and you said not hard enough. Yeah. I respect that. I do. I think that that it is very um, that is the spirit of the timeline that I expect out of you. I think also I enjoy the idea of Link from Ocarina of Time leaving but continuing to be a hero and doing heroic things and then uh around him forms people who then identify as the people of hylia or the gods or a hyrule he's like a he's like patient zero for the disease of hyrulean culture (laughs) yeah i do like hyrule as the imperial idea whenever the civilization rises it calls itself hyrule ocarina of time Mm -hmm. Link is the most powerful colonizer of all time. Oh, no. No, the people had been there already I mean, at the time. That's how you described him, carrying the... I wouldn't say... it's No, it's more like Rome, like Monica said. We're like, okay, you have Rome from Italy. Then you also have Greek Rome. Then you also have the Holy Roman Empire. But actually, also, when the Ottomans took over Greek Rome, they also called themselves the Kaisers of Rome. Yeah. That's true. Um... And I think, yeah, there's, it's definitely very weird and bumpy and requires a lot of Ganondorfs. It does require a lot of Ganons. This, we, are, we have, like, you didn't mention it, but there's at least seven Ganons so far in this timeline. I'll think about it a bit more. Maybe I can, like, merge two of them together. Because, I mean, we, you haven't introduced the Calamity yet, and Ganondorf from Tears of the Kingdom is definitely another Ganondorf. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's at least seven Ganons. Yeah, well, we'll figure it out. And I'm not against that. It's fine. (laughs) It is the chronological many Ganons timeline. Please don't call it the chronological timeline. (laughs) Please call it the release order timeline or something. (laughs) I think that chronological 
is just the wrong word to use here. But I love it. Oh, I can't argue with that. I'm incapable. Mm. Crystal, help. Help what? what? What word would you use for this timeline? A release order timeline. Oh, okay. The release order timeline. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Crystal. You're the bestest. <laughs> the chronological release order timeline. Okay. Do you have any questions that you want to ask of us about the timeline or? Um... No, I think that you brought up the uh, the the point that I still have to work on, which is uh, some parts of that transition. I'm glad that some parts of it were compelling. Yes. Yeah. Moving over to you. Yeah. Okay, um, Crystal. When we were last talking about this, you may remember that I was the one working on the release order timeline. Right. But when Monica and I were talking, her what Monica actually did is she combined my original idea, which is the release order timeline, with her original idea, which is the one timeline timeline. So I in, think in I her- combined it with the, the like backstory or um, foundational stories split. So the whole Picori nonsense uh, is very foundational for that second kingdom. So I put it in a different place. Right. But um, so, so Monica combined her... Uh, fucking jojo's bizarre adventure part six resetting the timeline timeline with the release order timeline and i I, part of the reason that she did this is because i started working on a different one and um i think that what i'm about to talk about wouldn't be possible before tears of the kingdom because tears of the kingdom establishes in a way that we can no longer deny or talk around with converging timelines or anything like that that there are multiple ganons that there are multiple foundings of hyrule's if we look at it hard enough, we realize there have to be multiple Master Swords. It is a repeating cycle. So I wanted to go back and really try to treat seriously with an old, old, old idea that hasn't been around for about 20 years, longer, a little longer than 20 years. Uh-huh. And what's that? I'm, I'm getting to it. And one thing about it is that it's, it's an idea that was possible just for a little while and then quickly became impossible. And has been the subject of such background radiation scorn that I've never treated seriously with it. So, in this case, mindful that any timeline is a transformative work. Because with this much material to work with, and stuff that often uh, contradicts each other, it can't just be collative. A collation of the facts of The Legend of Zelda will never create connections between these games again. The Aonuma era is over. But with that in mind, I would like to present to you the single link timeline. Okay. Let's go. (laughs) Now, again, I didn't have a big document made up for it, but I did make up a general um, outline of the different eras that are experienced throughout the course of the series. And the idea here is that Link Link is always us, the player, right? Uh Uh-huh. And... Well, we've, we can certainly go through all of these. And if we take Link as the player, if we take the possibility that Link is a single person and we see the different adventures of the games as being the adventures of this one guy, then the story that's told to us is very different. Now, Link is often adopted and he's had multiple father figures. He has his father in Breath of the Wild's backstory. He has Russell. He has his uncle. Uh, He has the blacksmith and the minish cap, but he's only ever had one mother. There's only one real account of Link's birth that I'm aware of. 
there's only one Link who exists as an infant. So that means to me that the story of Link begins in Ocarina of Time. Okay. And we all know how the story of Ocarina of Time goes. There's this big war taking place over Hyrule. And a Hylian mother, wounded in the war, carries her infant son into the Lost Woods, where she finds the spirit of the Deku Tree, the guardian god of those woods, and gives her child over to him, asking him to protect the child and to raise him. And that's what happens. Link is raised among the spirits of the forest. He's raised as a spirit of the forest. And when the time comes for him to travel out into the world, he carries with him the spirit of the forest, both figuratively in that that's the culture that he was raised in, but also literally in that he has a fairy with him. And she is his constant companion, and she helps to shape his adventure. Now, I think that Ocarina of Time is interesting for this version of Link, because it is the only time that he ever ages within the scope of one story. He goes to sleep for seven years and wakes up as a young man. In fact, it seems like maybe he's aged quite a bit more than seven years, but maybe that doesn't matter as much. So Link wakes up, and a child in an adult's body, he goes about and he saves Hyrule from Ganondorf, and things are set back to right. Now, ever since Wind Waker was released, we've been multiple timeline theorists. Single timeline theorists haven't been taken seriously basically since 2002 or 2003. And can we agree on that as a group? Yes. And of course, there was evidence before then that there were probably multiple timelines happening, but Wind Waker made it canon. But before that, there was the idea that the way that this worked was that at the end of Ocarina of Time, Link goes back and carries back the changes that are related to the Triforce with him. And that Ganondorf is sealed in the Sacred Realm with the Triforce of Power, Link has the Triforce of Courage, and Zelda has the Triforce of Wisdom. As if the moment that Ganondorf touched the Triforce, the gate to the Sacred Realm slammed shut behind him. And Zelda and Link and Ganondorf remember, in fact, maybe everyone remembers. This is a very common belief after Ocarina of Time. Yes. At, at, back in the very late 90s, before Wind Waker came out, Crystal, I don't know if you were uh, cognizant of Zelda at the time, but it was commonly thought that that's how the ending to Ocarina of Time worked, that you took back the changes from the future. I remember reading that. Even at the time, I thought it was foolish, but I remember it. Well, you have to keep in mind that at the time you were reading it, Wind Waker was already out, right? Right, but in the game, there's two timelines. Well, the idea here, much like in, um, well, I guess I should say, much like in Skyward Sword's intended version, and much like with the windmill, there were just funny things going on with time in that game. And time didn't work according to the rules that you might ascribe to it. It wasn't obvious that there were multiple timelines. So Perhaps it's... it's more clearly defined it wasn't clear until wind waker because people were still trying to work twilight princess sorry it it wasn't clear until twilight princess because people were trying to work wind waker onto the child timeline we should say crystal instead that the windmill made it obvious that the future could affect the past that was our perspective at the time okay So that's the reading of the ending of Ocarina of Time that I'm going with for this timeline. Link changes the future, and those changes also affect the past when he comes back. There is no more adult timeline. It's gone. Vanished as if it never happened, folded back into the past. 
And yes, that does mean that all the people who died are alive instead, including all of the sages. Okay. So Link goes to Zelda, and he determines that he's going to go find Navi, because that's what really matters to him. And she gives him the Ocarina of Time so that nobody can open up the Sacred Realm and unleash Ganon. And he leaves the Triforce of Courage with her, and they've been through a very great deal together. And she has all of her experiences during the seven-year gap, but he doesn't. He's, he's still that child. But she remembers waiting for him, and she remembers being glad to see him and what it was like to see him defeat Ganon. And when he leaves, both of them know, but she carries the knowledge very differently, that they're never going to see each other again. So Majora's Mask happens. Link goes into the land of Termina, and he relives those same three days over and over and over and over and over. And during all of this, even if he wasn't before, he is now God-touched. At the end of Majora's Mask, all of the cycles that he took place are folded into the one occurrence. This is another case where you have to keep in mind, this is another case where future happenings can affect the past is Majora's Mask, when all of these potential timelines are collapsed into each other in the credits. Okay. And he's just changed here. The idea is that from now on, Link might have been born human, but... He was bathed in the sacred power of the Deku Tree for his early life. And he spent possibly uncounted years trying to save Termina. And when he comes out the other side of it, he's still the same person inside of himself. But he's no longer a person who interacts with time in the same way. He doesn't age like other people. He doesn't experience the passage of time like other people. He's just a wanderer seeking always to find some right to be wronged, to try to fix things that are in need of fixing. He's Samurai Jack. Yeah, basically. And what? But this is before Samurai Jack was immortal, okay? I didn't end up watching that last season of <laughs> Samurai Jack. Is that what happens? Yeah, they decided Samurai Jack is immortal, unaging, and unkillable. Oh. Which is silly. Oh, he is killable. He's just so good that he doesn't get killed. Okay, well, he's still immortal. Yes. <laughs> well... And any yes, he is the wandering hero archetype, like Samurai Jack or Roland Deschain. So while he's out wandering, Ganondorf breaks out, as happens, and people cry out for the hero of time to return to them, but he's not there. He can't return to them. And by the time he returns to the land of Hyrule, it has been flooded, destroyed, and he finds a little island outset where he settles down and is basically adopted by this small family, a girl named Errol and her grandmother. And he is as good as their actual son, the first case of Link being adopted. And That's when, nice. Yes. And Wind Waker happened. And the perspective of Link and Wind Waker has to be very different here, right? Because he, when they're talking about the hero of time, he never doesn't react to it, but he actually understands ancient Hylian because that's his mother tongue. He learned the newer version living with Errol and Grandma, but the canon version of Wind Waker is the one where you can read the signs and understand Jabun. Okay. Okay. But they they think you can't. Yes. Because okay. And they think he's not the hero. Of because Link has been so far removed from people for so long that his inability to communicate is now canonical. He's just a strange little forest creature, almost like one of the Leshen, who is moving through the world, fixing it as the world needs him. So Ganondorf actually recognizes Link 
but doesn't accept him for what he is. And when Link defeats him, he sails away. One of the guiding principles of this timeline is, okay, I should have outlined them this at the start like you did, Crystal, but I didn't write them down because I'm a big fucking buffoon. So I'll just try to do it off the top of my head now. In this, there is only one Link. There is only one timeline. Link does not age like other people. He can rest for great periods and return to some part of the youth that he had when he lived in the forest. And he will always, always leave. He cannot stay in one place for too long, either out of heart sickness or desire for more adventure or to see more things that could be wrong and in need of fixing. But no matter where he is, he will always leave the people that he loves. And that's the ending of Wind Waker. He goes with Tetra, yes, but a big part of that is that he is leaving Errol and his grandmother. I think it makes sense for someone who will outlive everyone else. So Phantom Hourglass happens. And there's nothing extra to say about Phantom Hourglass. It just happens the way that it happens. And after that, the founding of Spirit Trek starts. And while the uh, founding of that new Hyrule happens, Link leaves. He wanders off. And he returns a hundred years later, when the only person that he still knows who is alive is Nico. And for some reason, Nico doesn't fucking recognize him. Nico is very old. Nico is a hundred and twenty something at this point. It would make sense that he doesn't think that that link is. It's like, wow, you look a lot like an old friend of mine. Yeah, I think he says as much. Yeah, and why would Link ever correct him? So Link gets adopted again this time by Alfonso. Was it Alfonso? I think so. And basically, spirit tracks happen. And once the new Hyrule is freed from everything that plagued it, once Maladus is gone and the spirit tracks have been set aside, Link leaves again because he's always going to leave. And he leaves through the Lost Woods on his way back to his the land of his birth, the old Hyrule. And on his way there, he ends up in Hytopia and fucking uh, Triforce Heroes happens. Turns out that the canon version of Triforce Heroes is the single player version. Okay. Because it. It, it's just some weird foreign land that he ends up with in where he meets these people who all they care about is fashion. And he's like, well, this is fun. I'll just take care of this. And he throws a, a bunch of dummies around and imbues his soul into them. Yes. One other thing about this. We don't, of course, see all the backstories of all the games because of the way that these are laid out. But you can see that I've got... Um, after this minish cap set up. Now my idea is that when Link returns to old Hyrule, he's there at the founding of the kingdom as the floodwaters recede. And that is the backstory of the minish cap. He's there to help fight off all the monsters and so on and so forth. And after that, he goes into one of his long periods of rest. And when he returns from this period of rest, he as much as he was before, he's adopted by a blacksmith and is raised alongside the princess Zelda as a childhood friend of hers. And Minish Cap happens. Now, when you say flood waters recede, so you're saying that... He's returning to the Wind Waker Hyrule, the o- Ocarina of Time Hyrule. The one that was drowned by the ocean. Yes, but the flood waters still recede because the Koroks did it. Okay, got it. Is this making sense so far, Crystal? Yeah. Do you have any objections so far? No, this this is actually working pretty well. So after Minish Cap happens, after Vati is sealed away, Link wanders off or rests again and returns for Four Sword, and then once more for Four Sword Adventure, where for the third time he meets his nemesis Ganon and finally and truly destroys Vati. And this is one of those cases where I'm just going to go along with it and say that the backstory of 
A Link to the Past is the events of Four Sword Adventures, just like it was probably intended to be when they made Four Sword Adventures. And Link, okay. again, rests between Four Sword Adventures and A Link to the Past. And to be clear here, these are different Ganons, too. Yes, this, th- th- this is a new Ganon. This is the second Ganon. Okay. This is Ganondorf Dragmire the Thief. Who touched the fork. Yes, who touched the fork and eventually found the Triforce. Okay. But he found it quite by accident. Isn't that what it says, Crystal? Quite by accident? That's right. So that what happens after between those two games is quite the accident when Ganondorf finds the Triforce. And, of course, the big war against Ganondorf happens and he's sealed up, etc. And I think that's probably the events of Four Swords Adventures, but it might not be. Link rests and eventually he returns to Hyrule as if he's called by the events that are about to take place. And he is adopted again by a kindly member of the Royal Knights, who basically raises him as his nephew rather than his son. And Link to the Past happens. And Link meets his old foe, who does not recognize him once again. Well, the second foe, not recognizing him for the second time. Go ahead. I think that I was going to say, like, oh, you know, the uncle refers to our bloodline, even though Link is adopted, but I think that that can make sense. It's clear Link is part of some sort of a bloodline of knights. Or something. Yeah. Or the Link is his uh, uncle. Sure. (laughs) So Link to the Past happens. And then, because the Triforce is united under the Hyrulean royal family in Link to the Past, um, that explains why the Triforce is in one piece in the intro to the Oracle Games. And the Oracle Games happened some 100, 200, 300 years later when Link returns to this place. The royal family, for whatever mo- reason, has moved away from the resting place of the Triforce. Or maybe he's just going out to check on it. And that's how the Oracle Games happen. And because it is a new generation with a new Zelda, she may or may not recognize Link, depending on which game you play first. If she recognizes Link, it is by reputation, not I'm out of knowing him. Pretty sure, if you review the the text in it, one neither involve her recognizing him. There is just in one of the games, uh, if you start at first, there's a little side quest involving Zelda. So that explains for why they they sort of treat with him differently in the second one. Anyway, that makes sense. And after the Oracle Games, uh, the Triforce flies off doing its fuckery. Because that's what the Triforce likes to do. It likes to do mischievous things with the power of gold lying around. I see you also did the birds thing. I sure fucking did. Like I said, I would end up using it in my own timeline. And wouldn't you know it, the Triforce of Power ends up going to the dead fucking Ganon that Link just murdered at the end of the Oracle games. Wait a second. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. You were all up my butt about this. Yeah, I, I like I said, I would end up doing the same thing, but it's not consistent in your timeline. It's consistent in mine. I'm registering a complaint. <laughs> Crystal? Isn't it the same thing? No, no because it, it didn't go to Ghost Ganon at one point, but it does go to Ghost Ganon at a separate point. Okay, so so long as I explain for why not the first time. Yes. Okay. Okay, okay. I think that it's a rather silly idea in general, but uh, it does work for this timeline. So after Link returns to Hyrule from his adventures in Link's Awakening, and yes, um, in this one, all of the nightmares represent Link's nightmares and all of his different experiences, up to and including Deathle for whatever reason. Um, 
And Link returns back to Hyrule, and an uncountable amount of time later, Link Between Worlds happens. And this is actually why Link has Majora's Mask in Link Between Worlds, because he's literally the same guy. He's just the same guy who has his own house now. He's not adopted in this one. And when people talk about the coming together of the sages to defeat Ganon and the hero and the princess, they are actually talking about the events of Link to the Past, just distorted through the lens of history. And then Link Between the Worlds happens, and that's fine. And sometime after Link Between Worlds happens, when the Triforce is reunited and under the control of the royal family again, this is the Golden Age of Hyrule. And during the Golden Age of Hyrule, the backstory of Adventure of Link happened. During all of this, Link has left Hyrule again. He's off wandering, doing God knows what. And by the time he returns, so much time has passed that, oh, it's The Legend of Zelda now. And go ahead. Sorry, you said now, the backstory of Adventure of Link? Yeah. Oh, okay, I see. With the yes. Zelda. Got it. You were saying, Crystal? So far, you've done a good job of organizing this base on Link's apparent age. Did he get hit with a de-aging beam at this point? I think... Before Zelda 1. I think that he is supposed to be roughly around the same age in all of the games that I've grouped together here. Okay. 10-ish? 10 to 13-ish for all of these games. Okay. He is, he is still a child. He's a bulky child, but he's still a child. And I do think it's possible that he is a little bit younger in The Legend of Zelda than he was in, say, Link Between Worlds. But if it is, it's not very much. You can chalk it up to art style, or you can say that during his time of rest, he regressed a little bit, which is going to be a little bit more important um, in the next era that we'll talk about. Okay. So Link comes back from whatever foreign adventures he was having to find the little kingdom under the attack of Ganon. And we all know the story of the Hyrule fantasy and the adventure of Link. Did he get hit with an aging beam in Zelda 2? No, he didn't. He's not meaningfully older in Zelda 2 than he was in The Legend of Zelda. He looks older, mm. though. Okay, In maybe... Zelda 2? It, it's right before his 16th birthday. As they say, yes. As they say. Vi- visually, <laughs> he clearly is a much taller lad. Okay. The thing is that in this, there is an underpinning here that says that Link can age up to a certain point. Okay. And the idea is that as time passes, the point at which he stops aging after his long rests gets later and later in his life. What I Okay, I see. What I like about this, if we're talking about aging and why he ages and why he doesn't age, is maybe he only ages through the course of being around those other people. So he clearly sticks around in between Zelda 1 and to Zelda 2. Yes, he can age around the people he loves. Yes, Okay. Being grounded, finding belonging is the only thing that makes him age. And he leaves. And then he leaves and returns to some ineffable part of his youth through his long rests. There are two things that he does when he's not on screen. He's wandering and doing adventures or he's resting. And when he's resting, he is regressing in his age, returning to how he was when his mother took him to the Deku Tree. So anyway, Adventure of Link happens. And eventually he fucking leaves, because he always leaves. And at some point after the adventure of Link, during the new golden age of Hyrule and etc. and so forth, Ganondorf is born again, because Ganondorf is always born again. He is a cosmic constant. This is your Ganondorf 3 or 4? I believe that this is the third Ganondorf. And when Ganondorf returns again, 
That is the backstory of Twilight Princess. And sometime after Ganondorf is defeated without the use of the Master Sword and so forth, Link returns to Hyrule and finds a small out-of-the-way place where he can have some privacy and be closer to nature and the woods that he feels such a strong connection to. So he settles in Ordon, and he is effectively, but not quite, adopted by Russell and Russell's family. Colin is his surrogate little brother. What is the name of Russell's wife? Uli. And Uli is basically his surrogate mother. So he has this family, and because his attachments always seem to precede these sorts of disaster, that's just what it is. It makes me think that he seeks out people... He's he seeks out people to protect when trouble is about to descend. And that's what happens in Twilight Princess. He finds people to protect. And the spirit of the hero is different in this one. The manifestation brought on by the Twilight is different than the manifestation brought on by the Sacred Realm. He is rabbit and wolf both. Okay. And he fights against Ganondorf because, wouldn't you know it, at some point Ganondorf did manage to fuck around with the Triforce and get it to split apart. That's just the backstory to it. He most likely did break into the Sacred Realm, touched the Triforce, and was stopped by the Sages before he could realize that he held the Triforce of Power. He didn't have seven years to realize what it was. Okay. So that, yeah, Gandorf three. so not Ocarina of Time Gandorf. Yes. So he manages to save the Twilight Realm, destroy Ganondorf, and at this point he is tired. And he rests, and he rests, and he rests, and he rests. And he sleeps for so long that Hyrule changes around him. The one idea that I really... You two tell me if you liked the idea that Luke came up with. The idea of Hylia as the national goddess of Hyrule who arose out of later days of worship. Yeah, I like that. That works for me. Yeah, I like it quite a lot. So I think that part of what happened is that Hylia ends up rising during the latter days of Hyrule. And when the Great Demon War begins, when Demise attacks Hyrule with the intent of obtaining the Triforce, Hylia sends Skyloft into the sky. But one of the things inside of the ground or the woods that Skyloft contains is the sleeping hero. So go ahead, Monica. Uh, how old is he? At this point? Yes. He's regressed. He's quite young. Okay. So when he is found in the woods, he is adopted collectively by the people of Skyloft. And he is raised from relative youth to be part of them. Like a little kid. Yeah, because that's his backstory in Skyward Sword. Yes. That's, he was young when he met the Red Bird. So some de-ageification. Yes, it, it's something that happens every time there's a really huge okay. time gap in the series. Okay. Whenever there's a huge time gap... Link comes back and he's always younger, which suggests to me that he has been resting and returning to his youth. Okay. Because he is the green he is the green youth from the woods, ultimately. So Skyward Sword happens. I mean, what else do you want me to say? Skyward Sword <laughs> is a really complicated fucking arc, and I'm not going to describe the whole thing. There's even more time fuckery in Skyward Sword. The Triforce which was hidden in the Sacred Realm sometime after Twilight Princess to protect it from people like Ganondorf. So so is Hylia lying or confused? About what? About Link. Because Hylia basically says she formed Link. No, that's still true, as far as she knows. So she's... she's... This is a new master sword that can only be wielded by Link. This is a 
version of him that can hold the entire Triforce because she can't be sure about him. She can't know. The inside of a god doesn't really reveal what he is. He's so much older than she is. He's so much stranger than she is at this point. There is no spirit in the entirety of The Legend of Zelda that is as old and weird as the One Link would be by any given point in the timeline. Do you have any thoughts along the, like along this bullshit that I'm saying, Crystal? Who's the hero shade? The hero shade is some distant relative, I think, who recognizes their blood connection because Link's father was a knight of Hyrule. So Link is older than Hylia. Yeah, much. Okay. By thousands of years. But that's why they're so perfect for each other. Um, okay, you know how in Link Between Worlds... Zelda was really enamored by the idea of the hero. Yeah. Okay, it's the same thing, but applied to Hylia instead of Zelda. Okay. So she wants the hero. So when Link emerges and he is the hero, she might take on some responsibility for circumstances that she didn't actually do, like shaping this person to be the hero when that's who he was in the first place. Because she was trying to push him along those lines the entire time. So even if she didn't, she's still guilty of trying, right? That doesn't change what she did or how she ought to feel about it. Monica's looking up something from Skyward Sword. but Yeah, I no, I'm just looking at how much Zelda or Hylia takes accountability for the creation of Link. It's more than zero. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just trying to see, like, was this, like imbued she she says i used you but it wasn't really like i yeah it's not i created you it's that i used you and she did use him Mm. she created not link hylia created zelda this girl that is the kind of person that link always falls in love with and tries to protect she is creating the specific circumstances not to create the hero but to summon him to bring him to bear against a threat that he did not emerge to fight before. Go ahead, Crystal. Okay, so she's not so much crafting the perfect boyfriend from scratch so much as she is uh, manipulating him to to be her boyfriend. She per- she made herself into his ideal girlfriend. She made her OC that the hero <laughs> would want to date. Okay. Is that reasonable? I'm yeah. on board. Okay. So Skyward Sword happened. And Hylia's dead, because Hylia died fighting Demise. And that we'll get more into in the Accursed Timeline. Oh boy, the Accursed Timeline, I think, is going to look very different with all these new possibilities introduced by Tears of the Kingdom. Anyway, so after Skyward Sword happens, Hyrule is founded some couple of hundred years later. They don't immediately start a fucking kingdom. But this founding of Hyrule is Raru's Hyrule. And the reason that the Master Sword is not used against Ganondorf is twofold. One, Link's sleeping. Two, or actually he could also just be away. Two, the Master Sword is still eating Demise at this point, so it can't be drawn anyway. And then we get to the Warring Period, which is the rise of the Calamity and the repeated battles against the Calamity by the hero and the line of the princess descended from the goddess. And this is one of those cases where Link definitely comes back over and over and over. And every time he comes back, he's different. And sometimes he's strange. And yes, I'm going to suggest that the hero of 10,000 years ago, who is depicted as a Zonai, who is in spirit a Zonai, is in fact still the same Link. Okay. Wait, wait. What if 
this link put on something to seem like his own eye. Yeah. It's li- Crystal, you know how you said that the hero's clothes are basically a fursuit? Yeah. Same thing. So it's the fursuit for the original guy. Yes. I got it. The hero of 10,000 years ago is Link wearing his Zonai fursuit. And when you get it again in Tears <laughs> of the Kingdom, he's like, hey, it still fits. <laughs> Do either of you object to this? No. Crystal? Yeah. I'm, I'm, what if it's like a Zonai transformation mask? Sure. That works too. Yeah. I don't see why it wouldn't. That all works. What is a transformation mask but a high magic version of a fursuit? Exactly. Yeah. So after Ganon is sealed away for 10,000 years, Link sleeps again. And he's... Because... that Fuck. It's been getting wild these past million billion years with the Demon King sealed away and fighting the Calamity nonstop. And it's just this big war that literally tore the land apart. So Link sleeps. And a little while before a fortune teller would appear to predict the return of the Calamity... A young boy is adopted by a captain of the Knights of Hyrule. And he's only about four years old. But he is a freak. When he is given a toy sword to handle, he's a monster with it. He can spar against adults and just beat them into the fucking dirt. As if he's been doing this for thousands of years. And that's Link again. He grows up again around the Zora around the Knights of Hyrule, around people that he loves. And he joins the Knights of Hyrule because whenever he comes back to Hyrule, it's anticipation of something terrible. And that's why he moves to become Zelda's guard, to protect her from whatever terrible thing is about to happen. And that is the backstory of the immediate part of Breath of the Wild. And that in trying to protect her from something terrible, Link is killed. And he sleeps again for a hundred years, aided by the Chamber of Resurrection. And then he returns to a world where everyone he loved is dead and gone, and it's only the quest in front of him. So he fulfills the quest and begins to rebuild. And unfettered by memory or by connection, Link was happy and expressive and able to connect with people in a new way as if he'd never met them before. But as his memory returned and the weight of connection hit him again, he becomes more withdrawn and stoic heading into Tears of the Kingdom, which is why his personality is so different. And then in Tears of the Kingdom, he finishes the battle that he wasn't present for before because Ganon always returns. And I think that after Tears of the Kingdom is over, now that everyone is in order and there are no immediate threats to the people, I think it's about time for him to leave again. Cameron, I noticed you put Age of Calamity on here. I did. How does that work? It's an actual split timeline. (laughs) You weren't splitting the timeline up to Yeah, them. but that game splits the timeline. Yeah. Also, I hate to say this. Crystal, stop me if you think I'm wrong, but I don't think that Age of Calamity can be canon with Tears of the Kingdom. Is it necessary to split the timeline here? For Age of Calamity? Yeah. If we want to include Age of Calamity, yes. Why can it not be canon with Tears of the Kingdom? Okay. Do you mean on the same timeline or at all? Because I mean at all. At all. Okay. So... In Age of Calamity, the Sidon who shows up knows that the Water Blight killed his sister. And in Age of Calamity, the Teba shows up, appears with a young Tulin. And they all meet the champions, and they go through a great deal together, and they grow as fighters. And there's just nothing that suggests any of that happened in Tears of the Kingdom. Well, yeah, there's... they got their memories erased. 
they got their memories erased. Isn't that what happens in the game? No, it's not. They leave. They leave, but they don't get their memories erased. Okay. Um, I don't think... I think Age of Calamity, it clearly happens in a split. Yes. But yes, the we thought after Breath of the Wild, you know, the sages, the champions, uh, descendants are brought into that split, do their work, and then go back. And we're like, wow, for sure they're not going to say anything about this in Tears of the Kingdom, and they do not. They don't. I don't think that that means they don't recall it. You don't think even Tulin would bring anything up? Or does he remember it as a dream? I think that Teba sat him down and said, Tulin, this is a secret that you're going to have to keep as your first action as a growing adult. Which is, it is going to destroy this now princess person and it'll hurt Link as well about how there's a different split in which everything is okay and gone and they're not part of it. So we're never going to bring this up to them. I kind of like and, that. <laughs> and Tulin takes it on. He's a little kid with like wild thoughts, but he's like, my dad is imbuing this in me. This is the most important thing I've ever been told. <laughs> Alternatively, yeah, they spill all the beans, but like, what are they going to do about it? It's been five years. They've had all the discussion about that. What do you think, Crystal? <laughs> I think they just got their memories erased. Ah. Well, do I you think, think that's that the mo- cleanest way to do it. Do you think that Monica's version is tenable, at least? I think Monica's version is tenable. Okay. I mean, it makes as much sense as why they don't talk about anything that happened in Breath of the Wild. I mean, that yeah. stuff happened five or six years ago. It's yeah. fine. You had all the conversations, you know. Why would we still be talking about it? There's another way to explain it, though. Okay. As long as we're doing Immortal Link, why not just say um, he went back to sleep, and then when he woke up, the kingdom happened to form in a very similar way. So you're actually talking about JoJo Part 6. Yeah. I don't like that, though. (laughs) Can I confess that when I was trying to do the release order timeline, I tried to put the remakes on there. Oh. Oh. I was also trying to put real time into Hyrule time. That's really difficult. And even when considering exponential, uh, years as exponential, that does not fit. But anyway, back to you, Cameron. Well, I I know that this isn't the most ironclad of all the timelines that we've ever made, but I think that it has a certain internal consistency to it. And in the spirit of transformative work, I think that it has an interesting emotional core. You made a very sad Link. Yeah, I love a very sad Link. I do like Link as this ever reborn, not even reborn, ever regenerating eternal warrior. Always a youth, always returning to protect people that he has to leave. You made a single link theory timeline. I did. This is the single link timeline. Do you two have any questions about it or like obvious plot holes in it? Who does Link marry? He doesn't. He doesn't? He doesn't. He never finds love? I mean, he finds love, but in these fleeting platonic ways, it's, I don't, You can argue that he marries Zelda in the gap between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. I think that's a perfectly cogent reading of the setting. And I think that you can also argue that he may have had a relationship with Zelda after Skyward Sword. And he clearly had some kind of fling with Zelda at the end of Adventure of Link. But generally speaking, any love that he has has to be this fleeting thing because in the end he will leave. He's his own grandpa. No. (laughs) Why not? No, he doesn't have any children. He leaves. 
He can't be his own grandpa? He cannot be his own grandpa. <laughs> nor but can nor can he no, the real thing is he cannot be his wife's grandpa crystal <laughs> uh the hero's shade strikes me as a kind of does he have to be the hero of time all we know is that he calls him my child and wields his sword in the same hand as link but that's in keeping with how the knights of hyrule hold their weapons fair i think that it is a weird oddity in the life of this immortal guy to have a claimed blood ancestor who shows up at that point. Well, not a blood ancestor. He's actually a descendant of Link's father. Oh, so that's why they're of the same bloodline. Yes. So it's actually his child. Well, no, his great, 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 etc. nephew. Or his 35th cousin, if you want. So it's Errol's great, 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 great grandson. Yeah. Wait, no, Errol's adopted too. No, Errol's not adopted. Like adopted adopts Link. Yes, yes, absolutely. So it's not a, it's not blood. Yeah, that's she's fine by me. Yeah, it's not probably fine by Twilight Princess, but fine enough. Any okay. big holes? <laughs> I would just like to say it was actually like really emotionally gratifying to put this down. Yeah. Because single Link theorists were my mortal nemesis back <laughs> when I was a teenager. I destroyed a whole forum over that shit once. You deleted the forum. Uh, basically, yeah, I did. And um, taking some part of this thing that I hated so much and tacking on an emotional core that I found really appealing transformed it for me. So now it's like, it's not the most watertight of timelines, but to me, this this is a version of this story that I think really could stand on its own. It's a single link theory that you get down with. Yeah, it's a, it's genuinely a single link timeline. And for me personally, this is now one of my preferred timelines. You have banished the evil from a single link. <laughs> I guess so. I, I think the, the funny thing is single link, I don't think there's any more. But if there were, they would hate this. Yeah, of course. The whole point of the single link theory was a rejection of more detailed readings of the text. That's what it was back then. But this is a very detailed reading of the text. It's a very affectionate reading of the text because I, I feel great affection for this story here. It's just a very fun fanfic to write, and I actually quite like it. It is transformational. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the power of fanfic, right? So do we... I know that all of us have these timelines in early stages. Would we want to continue working on these? We could. I definitely want to clear up a few patches. Maybe it, it will be in a state where we could share it. Okay. I don't know. So, okay. Well, we, we can return to that as a question. Maybe we do or don't work on these timelines as they exist. But if we, if we do work on them enough, I'd like to actually return to these and maybe establish them as standing next to the accursed timeline as alternative explanations for how the world can work. Okay. Yay. Thank you, Crystal. That's very generous. Well, we've presented the deviant timelines. They were pretty deviant. I gotta admit, I thought that there would be a little bit more of a reaction to me going, single link timeline. Him getting younger and then growing up again repeatedly. I don't know how I feel about that, but, you know, it doesn't matter. It works in the, the, the positing of that timeline. Shall we read some emails, Crystal? Let's do the emails. Okay. So I've got a few lined up here. First email on the bridge from Jimmy. 
I am taking the time to answer this as I listen to your question bucket. This is in response to, can there be multiple singletons? In my experience with game development and programming, a singleton is a pattern that can be followed, not a structure that must be built around. A singleton must be set up, it does not create itself automatically unless told to, nor does it automatically detect other instances of itself to delete. A singleton is an easy access to an instance that you have no intent on making multiple instances of, but that doesn't mean you can't or won't create other instances. A singleton is about access and organization, and everything else is superfluous and or optional. But I think this can still be linked to the theory of the Triforce as a singleton. When another Triforce enters someplace where one already exists, it's not a matter of existence, but access. When you access the Singleton Triforce, you can only access what has already established itself as the Singleton, unless there was some function of individual instances to set themselves as the Singleton upon creation, i.e. usurpation of status as a Singleton. So what does that actually mean? It means there is a Triforce memory leak. Reality doesn't have a garbage collector, something that automatically detects and deletes unused data. So maybe there's just a second Triforce out there, completely inaccessible because the only access route is through the Singleton, which the second Triforce isn't. This was a fun thought process to go through. I hope you enjoy this explanation, Jimmy. I love this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to interpret it it's like it's yeah okay and it's like an entropic thing where data okay sure. look i i know some of those words programming's fun i'm gonna keep it 100 with you i still don't understand what a singleton is <laughs> i am also 100 agreeing i think i understand it conceptually if not completely its applications but i like the idea that there's a second inaccessible triforce yes yes that's very good um Crystal, I hope you're ready for more singletons. Okay. Yay! Um, this next email comes from Jamie, and it uh, it's actually split. I, I decided to split it up a bit because it's got a few uh, question-answer segments in it. Okay. Hello, Con Cameron, Monica, and Crystal. I am almost done with Tears of the Kingdom, Episode 7, and wanted to provide the requested follow-up to your, especially Monica's, very good questions about my singleton Triforce theory. Q. Can a program have more than one singleton? A. Yes. The point of a singleton is that it is ever only one instance of any particular singleton, but there can be multiple different singleton objects. You can perceive of any unique object, person, whatever, in a program as a potential singleton. So with the exception of a Four Swords game, the Triforce 3 of Zelda, Link, and Ganon could all theoretically be singletons, because the program should only have one copy of each of them at a time. Well, we'll see how Tears of the Kingdom holds up under that, Jamie. I love it. Monica, if you could handle the second one. Okay. How do the Hyrulean and Lowrulean Triforces both exist? One per screen of the 3DS? Does the 2DS mess that up? A. It probably makes more sense to think of Hyrule and Lowrule as two different servers, each of which can have their own instances of the Triforce, Zelda slash Hylia, Link slash Ravio, etc. I'm sure there is some MMO with a legendary item of some kind that is super unique per server. This is the same rough idea. I hope that's that that explains things. I think that, yeah, okay. okay. Crystal, does that help with the singleton thing? 
Yeah, a little bit. Third question, could one singleton object recreate a different one? Also, yes. It is fairly common for a singleton to have a function, the computer programming term for an action that an object can undertake, to check if the instance of the singleton currently exists, and if not, create it. You can look at the below pseudocode, which is basically an example that may or may not actually work, but accomplishes the job of being a demonstration to see how this might work. I have this hosted on my GitHub in case Gmail does anything weird with the formatting. I love it. HTTPS colon slash slash gist.github.com slash jam Bloomberg slash 1062 lowercase f 6109 lowercase e 63 lowercase a 229003 lowercase c lowercase a 4 lowercase c 0 lowercase c 6 lowercase a 9 lowercase a lowercase f 5 lowercase e. Crystal? Uh-huh. Thank you for reading that. <laughs> we have permission to specifically put that in the show notes. You do not need to read out the code that Jamie sent. Okay, because I don't know how to do it. <laughs> That's good. It's great. Okay. Um, it Q. Is the Triforce the printed circuit board, PCB, of the cartridge of the NES? Oh, that's what PCB means. Printed circuit board? Yeah. Uh. A. Personally, I like to think it would be the NES. Because A, the idea of a character in a game reaching up to manipulate the hardware of the host system is fun. And B... The boards in the Mario Kart arcade games are named Triforce. However, regardless of what physical hardware is running the Triforce, I think conceiving of the software, or maybe more accurately firmware, of the Triforce as a singleton still works. Let me know if I missed anything critical, or if there are additional questions. Thanks, Jamie. Well, thank you, Jamie. I'm not going to say that there aren't additional questions, but I don't know if there are any meaningful additional questions. I really appreciate that the coders and programmers speaking up and tying concepts with programming. It's great. Yes, thank you. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're big into that, Monica. Yeah, as somebody who's learned just a little bit and would like to lo- know more. Should I go ahead and handle this next email, or would okay. you like to? Uh, who's the last person who read? Me. Oh, then I guess it's me. Third email from Jenna. Hello, hello. I found your podcast about a year ago, and y'all have made some work much more entertaining. Made work much more entertaining, so thanks. My hot take slash rant. The older Legend of Zelda games were better video games and had better gameplay slash mechanics than Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. (gasps) Now, I I don't think this is that hot of a take in the context (laughs) of this podcast, because one third of the people talking on this podcast right now would very much agree with that. Is it just one third? Well, we'll poll later. Let me finish reading. Uh, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom are beautiful games, don't get me wrong, but to me that's not necessarily the spirit of the Legend of Zelda games. These new open-world games feel like they lack in story, and even though the worlds are huge, they feel pretty empty. I'll admit, Tears of the Kingdom had an infinitely better storyline than Breath of the Wild, but it still didn't necessarily feel like a Legend of Zelda game. Maybe I'm biased since Twilight Princess and Ocarina of Time were my first games, but I digress and will rant anyways. I'm all for upgrades, but I guess I feel like they've completely changed the Legend of Zelda formula. Dungeons, timeline connections, engaging storylines, items, general gameplay mechanics, etc. that worked really well and helped make each game feel connected to the next in some way. Now, we just have huge worlds with shrines that all basically feel the same. 
we have, I think Cameron talked about this, Zonai devices that basically make exploring and puzzle solving to get to new places completely unnecessary. And don't get me started on the weapon breaking and the master sword that runs out of power. Legend of Zelda used to feel primarily like a puzzle solving style of game, but it feels like they're leaning more and more toward combat playing a key role instead. I guess I'm curious about why you think the switch is happening. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how Tears of the Kingdom fits into slash affects the timeline. I'm really hoping for a full episode on this. Oh, don't you worry. <laughs> Personally, I feel like it's thrown the timeline off a bit. We've never really heard much of the Zonai until now, so assuming they were as important as Tears of the Kingdom makes it seem, why are we just hearing about them now? Where would the times of the Zonai fit into the timeline? Would that affect the child slash adult slash fallen hero timeline? Excited to keep following along. Jen. Is X's hugs or kisses? I think this is commonly debated. What do you think, Crystal? I think X is kisses because it looks like pursed lips. Uh, an O could be like a lip too. Yeah, but th- that looks more like uh, <laughs> like arms embracing each other. Huh. Huh. But uh, X's could be the arms reaching out to hug you. The guy's just taking yeah. a very wide stance. No, that's them crossing behind your back. Oh. Huh. That's why I think there's there's there, it's not a settled issue. Okay. Either hugs or kisses, Jenna. Now, Crystal, you would hold that the older Zelda games were better. That's right. I agree with Jenna completely on this matter. <laughs> I think that there's definitely changes in which I enjoyed the prior version a little bit more. Could you expand on that? I do like dedicated dungeons. I do like the stories being more... Linear? Linear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just means, like, you know... If we think of Zelda in terms of the the eras of the developer, uh, of the directors, the Aonoma era is evocative. Yes. To us and to, to Jenna. Crystal, you would say that the Aonuma era is where all the real bangers, except for Skyward Sword, hit. That's where all the best games are. You got Ocarina of Time. You got Majora's Mask. You got Wind Waker. What would you call... Ocarina, an Aonuma era game? I think of it as the end of the Miyamoto era. It's a cusper. All right. Much like uh, Skyward Sword is a cusper. Exactly. Um, the questions in here. I, Crystal, do you? who was that person that you tried so hard to look up, that old-timey blogger who talked about how um, The Legend of Zelda had been losing its action-based identity in favor of puzzle nonsense because the designers at Nintendo no longer served people who preferred (laughs) red meat in their games. Yeah, I forgot that guy's name, but this was around the time that Skyward Sword was about to come out. Yeah. What? This was a boomer gamer complaining that in, in NES time, Zelda was about Link kicking ass with a sword. It wasn't about solving puzzles. Oh, I see. It got too puzzle heavy for the red meat guy. Yes. Yes. Okay. And it does need to be said that the Aonuma era kids are the boomers now. <laughs> so this is a pre-boomer. Well, no, it's just that we're the boomers now. Okay. This person was probably actually a boomer or maybe a Gen Xer. <laughs> I think especially clear with the interviews that have been coming out, which I think, Cam, you just linked one earlier prior to this call. Right? Yeah. The Zelda developers aren't beholden to... Anything. Anything. And the concerns about 
whether it's puzzling or action or both or neither or the way the story is told, it's not indicative of what it will be in the next one. There might be small chunks of related ones, but after this, who knows? I do think it's worth noting that Fujibayashi is behind Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, yes, but he's also behind the games that most hard focus on old school or anima style era storytelling, which are Skyward Sword and Spirit Tracks. Crystal, why do you think we're seeing, uh, do, do you agree with Jenna that there is a shift away from puzzle solving and toward action? I don't know if I'd actually say there's a shift away from puzzle solving. It's just more um, cordoned off into the shrines. I would actually say that it's less cordoned off and that it used to be that a great deal of the puzzle solving was, outside of Skyward Sword, puzzle solving was mostly a dungeon thing. Right. We, we, we talked about this in some much older episodes of the podcast, I think, where the overworld is for combat and the underworld is for puzzles. And that's true even all the way back in the first game. Yeah. So we're, we're seeing a lot of puzzle solving being spread across the overworld when I think that what a lot of Aonuma era fans like the three of us want and not saying that necessarily we want this just that we're from that cohort but what a lot of people in our cohort want is for the puzzles to be more um, stuck together they need to be clumped up into these big grandiose things because in breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom it's basically like the wario where the earth. yes exactly the bite-sized puzzles well the, the 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 dungeons in tears of the kingdom are very much a shift back at least a little bit sort of but then even that is like a bite-sized puzzle like five bite-sized puzzles kind of glued together mm. would you agree with that crystal yes I, I, when i'm doing a shrine puzzle i feel like i'm punching in to do one puzzle and then i'm punching out to go back to the overworld and how about ancient gorandia that's a little bit more of that. I, I like the dungeons that they felt like a. You're right that they're just kind of five shrine puzzles stuck together, but I like that format. Yeah, I don't mind. I think that it, they clearly didn't want to do it any other way, but if they did and they were considering it, one way about it would be it being a little bit more sequential in the dungeon, like one puzzle to unlock one area of the the dungeon to do something else in that other area. But they didn't have to. It's just, you know. Yeah, I want to get keys to open doors mm -hmm. is what I want to do. Ah, uh, what you like and part of what defines Zelda Dungeons and has since the beginning is limited movement. Exactly. And limited movement is very important. I think that Tears of the Kingdom, in a way, breaks the most with that principle because movement is much less limited in this game than in Skyward Sword and Skyward Sword was already bonkers with its movement. I, I think I would agree with you Crystal that we're not really seeing a shift from puzzles to action. I think that the balance between the two factors is actually probably about the same as in the Aonuma era but if it were happening it would be because well Aonuma has said that one of the ideas behind Breath of the Wild was to recapture the spirit of the first game, which did have an awful lot of fighting in it compared to early, uh, later games. I think that's the thing, right? Zelda ebbs and flows in terms of the balance between puzzles and action, and depending on when you enter in and what kind of person and preferences you are, you have a sense of what that is. This is the music problem. 
I think that it's also worth noting that that shift I don't think is really happening here because it's not that they changed the balance between action and puzzles. What they did was they changed the balance between those two things and the act of exploration and moving through the world. I say this a lot, but Breath of the Wild is a game about going on a hike or walking up a hill, picking up a rock and seeing what's under it. And Tears of the Kingdom? Tears of the Kingdom is about building Lego airplanes <laughs> and then flying on your airplanes. And flying through the dungeon instead of yes, reading the map. absolutely. Because the map was confusing. Uh-huh. Garandia is really great when you just use the map. Yeah. <laughs> I think, Jenna, uh, take hope in a lot of the interviews that are coming out. Um, they're not stuck in this direction. And I think they're they're actually probably a little bit exhausted from it. And we will see it tip into a different structure come next game. As much as Crystal and friend of the show, Luke, push back against this idea, I don't think that we're going to see a Breath of the Wild 3, partially because working on two Breath of the Wild games for God, um, we'll say at least a decade straight, would exhaust anyone on this formula. They have to change something. Crystal, you know what's a game that has kind of an open world where you can do tasks in whatever order you want, but has a story structure that I think Zelda could borrow from? Oblivion. No. No. I I mean, (laughs) here's the thing. I never played all the way through Oblivion. I played through Skyrim, and I can't remember how that structure works because the story in Skyrim isn't very good. Yeah. You... You're going to find that this is a goofy answer, but part of the reason that I'm using this game is because I think our listeners might be familiar with it. But the answer is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Okay. Because the way that it works is that you can deal with any of the... There's three major quest lines. Um, There's dealing with Team Star, there's dealing with the Titans, and there's getting all the gym badges. And there's three running uh, stories for all of them and no matter what order you do the individual tasks like no matter what order of titans you get you get a set of uh specific cutscenes. you get a progression of cutscenes alongside one of your friends and no matter what order you do the team star and your progress your another one of your friends your relationship with them develops in a linear way it's according to how many you've done not which ones you've done and that's I, a very smart way to do it i love that this is you going, there's something to be learned of Scarlet and Violet Yeah. for, for the Zelda creators. Yes, absolutely. Because it's it's so bizarre. Because looking back, Zelda has... Do either of you disagree with the idea that Zelda has had a stronger story focus and characters generally than Pokemon historically? I do not disagree with this assertion. I agree with that, yeah. But in Scarlet and Violet versus Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, it's kind of flipped a little bit. Because the story in Scarlet and Violet is fairly carefully structured and really well written in a way that fits to its um, to its nonlinear structure, but Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, its narrative, their narratives aren't fit to their uh, nonlinear structure nearly as well. So yes, there is something for Zelda to learn from Pokemon. What if Zelda Twenty One had a Thieves Guild? And a Mages Guild, and a Fighters Guild, and a Dark Brotherhood, and a main quest. Oh, you gotta have an Arena Guild. 
Um, and then you have uh, 16 Diedrich Shrine quests. What if it was that kind of structure? Is there something involving dragons and shouting? Or am there I thinking of the wrong dragons one? and shouting, yeah. Um, I think the same... The, the, Crystal could have been describing Skyrim until they brought up the Diedrich Gates, and that's an Oblivion thing. There's no dragons in Oblivion. Oh, okay. I, I don't know any of those. But uh, that, that, that would be a lot more... NPCs and groups than I think. Well, no, because it's really only like the four factions and then the main okay. quest. There's, there's a ton of NPCs in Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. I think that one of the things that Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom does really well is its incidental NPCs. Yes. Like, Crystal, we talked about this off mic a lot. There's a power gap between how good the main plot of Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom is versus how good it feels to move around and talk to people in the world. Yeah. Because the, the characters in the world are fun, but the story that is the overarching plot just isn't as good as the little characters are. How about this? We imagine a Breath of the Wild and or Tears of the Kingdom where that Scarlet and Violet storytelling happens. I don't know. Uh, Ganon, Calamity Ganon gets worse. Yeah. Uh, there's discussion or th- events that happen with Zelda. Yeah. Uh, the central, you know, the, the Hylians, the Hyrule, the, the humans or uh, Sheikah are going through stuff as you help the other other groups of people. There are state changes in all the towns that happen according to how many quests you've completed. Like, that would probably be... And if you leave one town for later on, things get worse and worse there until it's fixed by you going over there and doing their quest. Yes. That would probably be... An ideal form of the What do you think of that structure, Crystal? That'd be a very good structure for this type of game. Would you be more into these games if they were structured that way? I definitely would. Would they be back to potentially being some of the really good Zeldas? They'd be better at games. Uh, Crystal's like, I don't know if they'd be great, but they'd be better. <laughs> okay, um, let's see. I've got another email I'm just going to go ahead and paste into the line chat, Crystal. Okay. I see it. Would you like to continue with this, or should we call it here? Let's continue with this. Okay, I think you're up then. Hey, Crystal, Monica, and Cameron. I've been wondering, what exactly is Phantom Ganon? To my understanding, a few of the games just describe him as one of Ganon's minions. So is he just coincidentally called Ganon? Or is he some kind of extension of Ganon's hatred or something like that? Kind of similar to the Blight Ganons of Breath of the Wild. I'd love to know your thoughts. Roxy. So I think the Blights actually are called collectively Phantom Ganons, right? I think they're just called Ganon. They are mm. also all called Scourge of Blah. Which is the Scourge of Hyrule Castle is what the Calamity is called. Creating a champion refers to them as Phantom Ganons. Oh. Wow. Okay, that makes sense then. I think that it kind of... I want to say that it varies, but most of the instances that I can think of implies that they are either extensions of Ganondorf or created by him. In Ocarina of Time, when Phantom Ganon dies, Ganondorf says what a useless creation this phantom was. Yes. What are you thinking, Monica? Oh, I was just thinking about the Wind Waker Phantom Ganons. Yeah, I think that they're pretty clearly supposed to be like creations of Ganondorf. Yeah. Wind Waker description from the figurine. This is a phantom that Ganondorf created in his own likeness. What a dick. Bit egocentric, but okay. (laughs) 
I I like the thought that they can a creation can become more than the master. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Hell. Adam. Yeah. Um and and therefore that affects our reading of Tears of the Kingdom Phantom Ganon. I think that the blights are the first time the only time that we've had a Phantom Ganon that didn't come from Ganondorf the man. That's true. Though I guess if you argue that the Calamity has a mostly human intelligence, then it's not effectively that different. But does it? I don't know. But yeah, I, I think that in all of these cases, it's uh, a creation. So it's not, they are not totally, they are not born separate from Ganon. They might be separate from Ganon once they come into being, but they are products of Ganon, I think, in every case. Tears of the Kingdom compendium entry for phantom ganon a monster created from the very flesh and blood of demon king ganondorf what that will follow his bidding without hesitation that's fucking sick no no sorry where is this from this is from the hyrule compendium entry of tears of the king the photograph oh flesh and blood flesh and blood neither of which this desiccated corpse has well, I mean, that's why they're so desiccated, right? And that's why w- after he gets refleshified, they're also refleshified. That's how he creates the phantoms in the final battle. He just flings his blood out and empowers it. Okay. Huh. Crystal, that's fucking sick. Thank you for reading that. Yeah, I think they're little Pinocchios, and much like Pinocchio, they have a habit of coming to life. What a dick, that Pinocchio. You know, I've been reading the t- Pinocchio book lately. He's a little stinker. He is a true scamp. That, that well, he gets what's coming to him. Pinocchio the book is primarily a book about how boys are really, like, little boys are really quite stupid. That's so true. <laughs> is this so... sort of like a lost boys thing? Like, boys are dumb? Um, It's way more intense than that. Huh. It's definitely worth reading. It's one of the more fun children's books. Did you get to, uh, was it chapter nine? I... That's the one where he gets hanged to death? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I also... You know, that's where the original serialization ended seriously what they brought it back after fans kept writing letters saying like please don't hang pinocchio that's pretty great i also got to the part where he repents and swears that he'll never act wrong again and he'll definitely take the medicine when the black rabbits of death appear to carry him off even though it's very stinky medicine that tastes bad Uh uh-huh and then uh, he said he would rather die than drink the stinky medicine uh uh-huh does he drink it yeah he sure does right then and there but then afterward, as soon as they're out of sight, his need to avoid them just vanishes. And he immediately fails to follow the fairy's instruction. What a stinker. He, he is truly a stinker. He is, Dennis the Menace is trying to be Pinocchio and failing. Okay, we've got a letter here from Zuzu that I've gone ahead and stuck in the chat. Hi, I'm a relatively new listener working through the older podcast episodes. I'll probably have a much longer message to send when I finish catching up, but I wanted to talk some more about Captain Kida. I'm currently listening through the mailbag episode that Monica and Cameron did about halfway through your series on Breath of the Wild, where another listener asked if the people of Iconic Canyon could have just always been undead. You guys found the text implying that they did, in fact, used to be alive, but this quote from Skull Kida stood out to me. I have waited for one to come and awaken my soul. I have a theory that Captain Kida died while attempting to subdue Twin Mold. The method of obtaining the giant's mask differs between the original and the 3DS version. 
I don't remember finishing the game on the N64. So since it's more convenient for my theory anyways, I'm just going to focus on the 3DS version of events. Valid. Which are more familiar to me. In this version, you obtain the giant's mask after defeating the blue half of Twin Mold, which I'm reading as being the point at which Kida fell. But here's the rub with this theory. Someone would have had to have been at or near the arena, which is exceedingly difficult to access from Termina. And this person would have to be able to help Captain Kida pass on to the next journey in order for the giant's mask to be created. And he can't move on yet if he also needs to wait around for someone who can actually break the curse. And for now, I'm going to leave it there. When I initially set out to write this email, I expected my theory would be relatively low impact and simple to defend. But my research has taken me in much deeper lore than Giant's Mask equals Big Skelly. Ultimately, I'll probably come out the side of it was probably just another giant. But in any case, I think it's a fun theory and wanted to hear your thoughts on it. How do we feel about the idea of Captain Kida obtaining the Giant's Mask while battling Twin Mold? It explains why he's so big. It would explain why he's so big. And if he died, then he died when the mask was on and his body's just super big. He's also proportioned like the giant in the 3DS version. Yeah. Yeah. No, I buy this. Monica's thinking. Kida is big. Kida is huge. He is not giant's mask big. But if you were go- if you had a giant's mask and you wanted to maximize that <laughs> that mask's usage... You would put it on a big guy. That's true. Oh, yeah. are, are you suggesting he would have been like... Yes, much bigger. Oh, he wouldn't have lost that fight then. He'd be too big to lose. <laughs> Maybe there was more of Twin Mold. Oh, you're saying that these are the last two Twin Mold. Yes. It used to be Quad Mold. <laughs> or Quint Mold. <laughs> Sept Mold. How do you feel about that, Crystal? I'm interested in this idea. I'm also interested in this idea. <laughs> He was originally a really huge guy, and he can't move on until somebody finishes his fight. He already did 90% of it. <laughs> I'm glad. I hope you like this as well. Zuzu, we're about this. We're all about this now. He he definitely died fighting Twin Mold while wearing the giant's mask. I mean, it's... Hmm. The person near the arena would have to be the happy mask salesman, right? That's true. Um, I think, let's say... Uh, under this this concept, so Keed is fighting uh, Septmold with the giant's mask. He gets what's what's uh, five out of seven? Five percentage wise. Oh, it's like uh, seventy three, seventy ish. He percent? gets about seventy five percent of the way there, and then it's too much for him. The mask falls, he can't retrieve it. He's tired. That's why the mask stays there. He crawls out of wherever weird place Twin Mold Battle is. Then he dies. No other person needed. Or if he was so huge that, like, as he fell, he literally fell out of the arena. Sure, yeah, that works. And crashed into a Kana Canyon. Yeah. So, you know, no second person necessary. The mask person salesman would have taken the mask. That's true. Shall we do one more, Crystal? Okay. Okay, Monica, you're up. In your Tears of the Kingdom Goron episode, you read an email about Epona and said that she originated in Ocarina of Time. I've always, at least since Skyward Sword's release, felt that she was a reincarnation of Link's Crimson Loftwing. What do you all think of this theory? Love you all, Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank That's you, Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. It's very sweet. The, the bird became a horse? I mean, you can reincarnate as different thing. Epona is reddish. On the level That's of a true. horse. 
I think that the Crimson Loftwing is definitely meant to evince the same feelings in Skyward Sword players as Epona did in Ocarina of Time players. Is it part of Link's soul? Is Epona part of Link's soul? Epona is essential to the player's soul, apparently. Luke Speed Racer suggested that Epona should be the fourth Zelda character in Smash 6. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. Wow. I like this idea. I also Bird like. became a horse. Horses yeah. are like the birds of the land. <laughs> I'm sorry? Because they can run really fast across it. They represent freedom. They do represent freedom. And also, you're not supposed to put saddles on them, but we do that anyway, just like they do with the loft wings. Um, hmm. Yeah, I like it too. I I do. Um, gosh, that 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 comment, all that series of comments drove me off track. Crimson loft wing. Yeah, I I think none of the games go quite as far or hard with the story to tell uh, Apona or the Crimson Loft Wing. Um, to give that same emotional core as uh, the horse does in Shadow of the Colossus, for instance. I mean, you build a pretty intense relationship with Epona in Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess. Your relationship to your horse in Breath of the Wild can be mm. very good. It just depends on the player. Fair enough. Okay. You know what? Lindsay, yes. We're going to say yes. They are the same spirit. Does that mean that uh, the Loftwing is created by Hylia? <laughs> Shut up. There's only one loft wing in this single loft wing timeline. But they just turn into a horse sometimes. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Who knows? I think that's the end of the episode. Where can people send us emails, Crystal? Or no, this is usually a Cameron question. You can send emails to bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. That's bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Crystal, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Arcane Crystal, at Patreon at Arcane Crystal, where you can listen to this one week early. You can find this podcast hosted on AudioEntropy.com. You go to that website, hit the About section, there will be a link to the Discord where you can come talk to us. You can also find me on Audio Entropy Show Eidolon Playtest, an actual play podcast where we playtest Eidolon. Become your best self, a tabletop RPG system about having a projection of your soul called an Eidolon with superpowers, such as the ability to... Uh, Make things smaller when you get further away from it, or larger when you get closer to it. Fun things like that. I GM'd a miniseries recently called Eidolon Oyster about a team of Eidolon doctors. It's all out on the free feed now to listen to. And friends, I have to tell you, Crystal's a hell of a GM. Thank you. Give Crystal your money. <laughs> True. Also, uh, I was on, I guessed it on the abnormal mapping episode of Majora's Mask. I thought that was pretty good. You Ooh. can go check that out. Oh, shit. At abnormalmapping.com. I do need to go listen to that. What's an abnormal mapping? Abnormal mapping is one of the big gaming podcasts. <gasps> it's a monthly game club podcast. That's Play one cool. game a month. Nice. Would you like to hear a deviation joke? Yes. I'm so frightened. <laughs> oh, there's some bad ones here, yeah. <laughs> what do you call a man doing standard deviation? Uh, Mathematician. A sigma male. What? I guess, well, sigma, I guess, is, must be involved in the formula oh. for standard deviation. 
We're going to reverse engineer this joke that none of us gets. <laughs> I'm Sigma means like summation, right? I guess. Of a series? I don't know. A, a statistician. You might say that shit's all Greek to me. A statistician yeah. would, would do standard deviation, right? That's true, yes. Okay, good. That's great. All right, well, good night, everybody. Good night! <laughs>